0: questions get asked when people have hesitancy or reluctance to get vaccinated. Did you go too quickly is the first. The answer to that is, the speed was a reflection of extraordinary scientific advances and did not compromise safety, nor did it compromise scientific integrity. The next question is, okay, but what about the fact, is it really safe? And is it really effective? Or is this something the government is trying to put over on us? Is this something the companies want to take advantage of? Well, let's take a look at what's happened over the past few months. We've had clinical trials, and thanks to the volunteers in that trial, in tens of thousands who have put themselves on the line to prove to the country and the world that these are safe and effective products. It is really bittersweet, The bitterness is the fact of what the Vice President mentioned. We still are in the middle of a very difficult situation with record numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. But the sweetness is the light at the end of the tunnel, which I can tell you, as we get into January, February, March, and April, that light is going to get brighter and brighter, and the bitterness is going to be replaced by the sweetness. And we all hope, and I think this is doable, that by the time we get to several months into this year, we will have enough people protected that we can start thinking seriously about the return to normality. And that's up to all of us to step forward. There comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual right of making your own decision for the greater good of society.
1: Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, April 22nd, 2022, I've got a fantastic show planned for you today. Important information, as always, COVID-focused to get right out of the gate today. If if I have the time, I'm going to get to some stuff around Ukraine, but that's, it's important to me today that I stay focused on some of these discussions that I've been seeing build around specifically things like this hepatitis connection, which, by the way, has already been shown to be pretty clearly a potential connection, if not very clear based on the science, These, you know, knowing how selective we choose, what scientific studies peer-reviewed or not, we'd like to look at and choose in any topic these days. We've got, really got exposed during COVID-19. But the fact that there's an interesting connection there, and there's this explosion of, well, I shouldn't call it an explosion, but an increase, a a large increase from the normal situation of children getting hepatitis around the world, all over the world, multiple countries raising the alarm and everyone's going, we don't really know why, but I think we really very much know exactly why. We also have the discussion about myocarditis, another study. And I mean, another, I don't even, I can't even, it's a lot. There's been a lot of studies that have come out talking about the, the very clear risk of myocarditis. Now, what's interesting about that is that in the beginning of all this, it was fake news. Not because we didn't know and we're still trying to flesh it out. There were those of us like myself and plenty of others who were saying this is a real risk. Not that it's going to be worse than this or more than that, just that it's a risk. And if there's risk, then we should have choice. Of course, they said, fake news. That's dangerous. As we're going to talk about today, Obama, Hillary, everybody out there saying it's dangerous. You're killing people. We heard them say that. And they were talking about our conversations around myocarditis and a million other things that are now shown to be at least some degree possible. Now, I only say it like that because they're only just now, you know, playing mental gymnastics and and grudgingly like admitting small fractions of the larger reality. And it's barely even the full picture. The point is not that they're still lying to you. Well, that is the point. But the point is that there's if they're even admitting a fraction of the reality, that means that they were either lying or too stupid to see the full picture then and now trying to equivocate about how it's still the same discussion. Bottom line is there is risk. Period. Full stop. There's risk. These things increase your risk of a lot of things. Now that's a fair statement. They'll probably still censor that statement like it matters, as we're pirate channeling every platform in existence today. The point is that there is an obvious risk. Myocarditis. In this, the point we're making today with the new JAMA peer-reviewed study, it's not just an increased risk. It's an exponentially increased risk. A specifically. Children at the least risk or adolescents all the way from 24 up to 24 down, I think, to 16. So I guess more so adolescents have in some cases a we'll get into the specific metrics they use. And I'll give you the definitions of it and everything and showing you why what they're finding as much as the study itself wildly downplays it, that they have a risk that is so, so much greater than the person who's just generally unvaccinated. And that should be enough to, at the very least, let people make their own choices. Of course, obviously not force it down their throats. And we'll show you how they're willfully ignoring all of this. Now, there's also a discussion we're going to start today with, which it, ref- it reflects on the larger picture we're talking about, of how the- we are literally me- being told now that censorship, and I well, I guess I shouldn't say literally because they're not verbatim saying censorship is this, but this is what they're selling you right now, that censorship And they're basically saying this, I'm paraphrasing, but they are saying censorship is good because it protects what we're trying to accomplish. It's sort of the same weird um, acknowledgement they made about how, well, we lie to you, but it's because Putin bad guy and, you know, information war. But we don't say lie and we don't say we're deceiving you, but that's literally what's on the table, right? We're feeding you things that aren't true. Even though they go, well, it's just not solid intelligence, which means at the very least the mainstream, the corporate media don't know. And they're taking the word of the government, which is the literal diametric opposite of what they're supposed to be doing. But there's so much of this flying around today. The point is they're telling you censorship is good for foreign policy, which they don't, which means good for you is what they want you to think. But it's not. The bottom line is they are now arguing that we can't break up Silicon Valley because they're helping keep what we're trying to pretend is democracy or some kind of representative government in control or fight back the authoritarians around the world. Simultaneously having people like the New York Times stand up and go, well, you know, Russia and China give authoritarianism a bad name. (laughs) What? Yes, we'll talk about this today, how they're playing it as always out of both sides of their mouth, because that's where we're on a fast track to. And they know that. That's what the censorship is doing, the technocratic future, the control. It's all about Authoritarianism. That's why we pretend like the most obvious authoritarian country on the planet. Well, overtly, you could compare them with the United States and Israel, but Saudi Arabia, openly authoritarian, but we don't call them that. We don't talk about them. We point at the rest of the other guys we don't like who are fundamentally far less authoritarian, but you know what? Who cares? Because they're bad guy, they're good guy. That's all you need to care about. That's what they're essentially saying to you. Don't think about the facts. Let us censor and filter and dictate what you see. And then pretend that's the real good stuff, or rather not real good, the real stuff and the the good for you stuff of the people that are fighting for the right things. And just sit back and comfortably fall into your McDonald's and Walmarts and everything else that we throw down your throat. You see my point. This is where it's all going. And this, of course, is the biggest part of it because without the real dialogue, which we all know is not really, I mean, you're hearing me right now. But as we've always said before, if you don't know where to come find us when you're shadow banned and manipulated, as we all know this is happening and they're openly doing it to people like us, if you don't know it's there and you search for the exact information and we don't pop up, we're essentially censored. I mean, we are being censored. So we're going to get into this today and show you where this is all leading. But before I start off today, I finally remembered after like a week, not that you guys necessarily are excited to see it, but it's important to me to share this stuff because I want people to see what people are sending in. And I also wanted to grab a couple of the things. There's just so much going on. I hope before I even show some of this stuff, I hope you guys know that everything you send in, all the comments, all of the letters and the, you know, the donations and the gifts and everything else. I mean, it just means the world to me. It means more than you could possibly know and never thought we would be here. I always think of like the, you know, uh, miracle on 34th street with the bags of mail. And it's like, we're not there, but not that far. I mean, it's pretty incredible to see how much stuff we bring in every day. And we're just going like, man, this is, it's just, it blows me away. It, 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 it fills my heart every single time we see this stuff. Now, most of you know, because you get a handwritten response, almost every single thing we get in, we handwrite response and say, thank you and engage because it's important. But I wanted to do a quick shout out here for people that uh, for the ones that I have in front of me that I wanted to say thank you to, and just give you a quick insight into some of the things that we're seeing. Now, one of the quick first ones was just, these are a couple of happy birthday things. This one just was very nice. And it seems like a card that the person made themselves, or at least is their own business. And it says, you cannot do a kindness too soon because you never know how soon it will be too late. And the main point was, it says, I wanted to let you know how I so appreciate your creation, the last American Vagabond. It is amazing. Thank you for sharing the needed perspective. I hope the audience reach keeps growing so the world can change for the better. And the main point on the back, it says love. And it says the powerful emotion that can transcend it all. And I agree with that. And you close each show with it. Bless you. It's meant a lot to me. uh, The other letter point, what I wanted to read, and then I'll show you two other things and we'll get started was a happy birthday letter. And this is what it says. Wishing you a very happy birthday. Thank you for taking the time to do a show today. And thank you as well for letting us know it's your birthday. I would like to tell you how crucial and invaluable you are to so many of us. Never doubt that you are making a monumental impact on so many people on a daily basis with every show besides the censorious information and critical thinking guidance that you provide censorious, I think well. If, if anyway said, Mister Mister Ryan Christian, you are our bona fide, voracious beacon of uh, in search of truth, and I thank you for your light in these darkest of times. You have enriched, redirected, and saved lives in some cases, and I hope that is that is enough for you and your team to continue the most prodigious platform of information. If it wasn't for T Lab, I wouldn't have acquired the instinctive tendency or adeptness to research, discern contradictory information, and come to my own conclusions. What we do with our conclusion, speaking for myself, is being spread to anyone that is still thinking critically and consideration for those without the ability to question everything. I do wish I was in a position to do more. However, I could still like to send you a birthday trinket or something to show my appreciation. And, you know, and then finally, just as a perpetual standing ovation for all the work that you and your team and contributors have continually provided to us on a nearly daily basis. Thank you for your in-depth shows and various topics and presenting the possible, if not obvious, connections of the bigger picture that is our world and that we have become. It just means so much to me. Just the idea of what what we're saying and how we're fighting for... I hope that I can reach everybody like that to the point to where it means more... I mean, this is transcending just what we're doing here. Now, finally, I just wanted to... There are three things, actually. Just a couple of books I wanted to give a shout out to. This one I thought was funny. For earmuffs, I guess, for the kids, this one's called Shitland. I just thought it was kind of funny. And it's a... Other short stories, Charles, they essentially about the where we are today. And there's some references to different people like, uh, 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 what was her name again? Polly, amazing Polly and different people. It's it's just really interesting stuff that I really hope people can take the time to look at. This one is moving through the empty gate forest. We have a lot of these just up on the wall up there and we take the time to try to read them as often as possible. For me, it's difficult to be quite honest, but I do my best. Now, finally, this one I thought was really, really cool. And I just wanted to thank... The, I don't know if these people want me to give them a shout-out or not, but this is just, that's just amazing to me. This is a cigar box. It literally works as an amplifier. Amp, an amplifier. It has a speaker built into it. This person built this. This literally works. I can plug my guitar into this and go out on the street somewhere and play music, and I just thought that was just the most amazing thing in the world. So thank you to everybody out there who cares enough to to take the time to watch this show. And it means a lot to you and that you're making a difference in the world. It just, it's everything to us. So thank you so much for that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to go, I'm going to be out playing somewhere with this thing somewhere. And I just think that's absolutely amazing. So thank you all. Now let's get started. I just thought that was important. Just, I mean, for those, especially just out there that know who I'm talking about, it means a lot to me. So let's get into this. Now let's start off today with a couple of quick points before we get into the censorship part of this. Now, this is a meme that I saw that I thought was interesting. That really did kind of put a fine point on where we are right now. It shows for those in the podcast, it says journalism. Before, of course, it shows the guy on the on the pulpit or the, you know, the stage with the you know, shouting and then it shows the person in the middle with the microphone with a question mark directed towards the person on on the on the stage, all the people behind them. Then it says, now, shows the person on the stage shouting, except this time it shows the journalism person with the microphone facing the people with a megaphone. Not questioning the message, but perpetuating the message even louder. And we all know that's what's happening. Of course, it's all done from an idea of like, what's right, you know, what's what's the right word I should use. Like, that this is what's moral, right? Like, we have to stand up for the free world of democracy or whatever they're like, which, by the way, is not your job journalist. It's not your job. Your job is to fight for the truth. But see, they have put themselves in between you and them and acting like what their only job is, is to fight for what they've decided is the good and right and moral thing today. Whether that's social justice, whether that's racism, whether whatever. But you see, that's not what their actual job is. They have become the perpetuators of the narrative from the powerful. That is the diametric opposite of what they are or what they pretend to be and what they should be, right? we all know that and they know that somewhere in their decrepit melting brains they know that they are definitely doing the opposite of what they pretend that they are maybe i shouldn't say definitely some of them are probably just too dense to see it i shouldn't say stuff like that but i mean it i think it but you know it's a little bit derogatory the point here is that this is such a perfect encapsulation of what has happened and i and this is the part that i think is important to remember is that the before part of this idea was simply, in my opinion, when we hadn't yet realized the reality of our situation. Maybe not all entirely, maybe there were some good ones, but my point is that it's never fully been what we thought it was. The awareness was, of of course, uh, this awareness, of course, helped a lot, was helped along by how obvious their sycophantic pandering has become to the powerful that they're supposed to hold to account. Like that has really obviously changed for whatever, since this, since 2016, since the pandemic, whatever you think was the big turning point. But I believe it was always pretty much this. We just, it's just never been this bad or not this obvious. But now hopefully, regardless of what it once was, we need to see what they truly are. That's Fox News, that's CNN, that's CBS, that's half the independent media. And that's not my opinion. That's just because a lot of people think that's what they're supposed to do, because that's how this has been manipulated. They're literally training, raising, growing. And I mean mean that in a, not the way it sounds sense, but you know, like cultivating children To grow into this, to feel that that's the right thing. Like, how dare you challenge the narrative? You're putting people's lives at risk. That's what children are being taught. And that's the problem. Because then they believe journalism is that. And it's the same kind of idea of warping realities where we then talk about journalism and they're thinking something completely different than what we know it is. Sort of how the word regime change at one point was a conspiracy theory. You remember that? Regime change was a fake news story. You're crazy. They would never do that. Then it became a positive thing. At some point along the line, they warped the word regime change from fake news into for freedom. We're we're changing that gross to dictator regime. Except the reality is they almost always put put in place the very people that are the dangerous people in the past or today, like Zelensky. But the point is this constantly happens. They reimagine your reality. Obviously don't miss the correlation there. Now, Another meme I thought was interesting. Bert Scott says, common sense. They want to divide us with divisive propaganda. And we. this is just so obvious to me. And all, this is what I've been saying for a long time about the peoples of these countries. Who, by the way, end up taking the brunt of even the propaganda. Like the Israeli people, like the Syrian people, like the Iraqi people. Not to say that there's not people within that that are dangerous and abused. And, and you know, I mean, again, great examples of that today would be Ukraine. And Israel, where people have very clearly been radicalized by their very dangerous ideologies as a government, whether Zionist or whatever you want to call, whatever's fascist, whatever's going on in Ukraine today. But that does not mean every single person there is that. And that's a dangerous thing. That's already happening with Ukrainians coming into the United States and anywhere else, where you're getting people lost in the two party paradigm acting like they're either all heroes or all villains. And that's exactly what they want from you. Let's stop being children, let's stop falling into these games. There always is more to the story than just all or nothing. That's the two-party binary idea. They're good or bad, left or right, black or white. That's all they want from you. Let's stop falling into that. So here's what the meme says. I do not stand with Russia. I do not stand with Ukraine. I do not stand with NATO. I do not stand with the UN. I stand with the people in each country who are held hostage by governments that start wars, destroy economies, and subjugate our lives. I want a standing ovation for that. I mean, that's like exactly what we should be talking about. Like, you know, the, I think the point is they want to misrepresent what we're talking about and us to being objective and critical of the side that's obviously lying, not to say that the other side's not, to into that we are somehow siding with one or the other. I will be critical of anything in front of me that's currently relevant to the conversation. Right? I mean, it's just that simple. <laughs> and at the point in this point, the idea is that what I, as I've said many times in regard to Ukraine or, or the United States, I mean, this is, I'm an American. And I'm trying to point out and make the most change in regard to what's currently affecting the lives in front of me. Most predominantly, that's American politics, United States, U.S. government manipulation. Simple as that, guys. But we have to recognize, as I've said a million times, that all of them are taking advantage of you. How can we not miss and how can the people who want to hyper focus on the Ukraine coverage miss how I'm of desperately concerned about how Russia is clearly part of the Great Reset agenda? Now, there's been some shifts here, not to get you off the track, where we can see that there's been like this weird, oh, he's pulling back and Davos gave him the cold shoulder. And I don't know, personally, I just don't buy it. So there's been a lot of investment there for a long time, but who will have to wait and see how this pans out. But I still feel quite strongly that Russia is in lockstep with a larger agenda. Look at COVID-19. So we have to factor that in. That's why this matters. We stay with the people and people are suffering specifically Ukrainians in this case, specifically people in Donbass, that they are suffering. And I would argue largely at the hands of the people that the CIA grew inside of Ukraine, which is pretty consistent with history. But I'm a dangerous shill for Russia, I guess, if I just point out facts from the past that align with what we think is happening. But going forward, here's another example of a broader discussion. This has to do with Assange, but this is a broader point, just about normalizing the idea of what I've been calling, again, a a nod to George uh, Galloway, who first said this from at least for I saw rampant lawlessness, not that that it's a general term, but he really put that in my head a while back because that's what we're seeing rampant lawlessness. So what does it says? This is Nils Melsner, by the way, who is the rapporteur on torture for the UN. I, I, I mean, I, I haven't been paying attention to I believe he's still presently that let me double check this real quick. OK, no, former former U.N. special rapporteur on torture, which doesn't surprise me now. Right. Because he speaks up and challenges the narrative and suddenly he's no longer there. But I think they rotate anyway. But this guy knows what he's talking about. This guy was while he was there at the U.N. was saying they're torturing this man. Nobody cared. In fact, he he called on the U.N., uh, the United States, the U.K., which, by the way, they're obligated to respond officially because they're part of this organization. And he said, you you need to demand answers for what this is. Nobody responded. Is there any accountability there? Did somebody do something? Were they they even chastised? Nope, nothing. Because there is no accountability for people right now in regard to how they're controlling the UN and how they're controlling the world policy, the WEF, the world, the UN. We're watching this play out right now. Even though the people, they're supposed to be the checks and balances for the power, nobody cares. So here he is now after this position saying, on this day, let us remember that the binality of evil manifests whenever officials... Simply sticking their heads in the sand, just doing their jobs, enabled the dehumanization and torture and persecution. On this day, let us look into the mirror and ask ourselves how far we have sunk. What are you going to call this guy, a conspiracy theorist? You can call him fake news, as he literally points to how you guys are torturing, murdering, raping, pillaging, and we all should know this by now. Nobody seems to care. Now, I'm not suggesting, as always, that the other governments or whatever you want to call the other side, the bad guy side, being your binary reality of the world, are not also capable or doing the same things. My point is simply that if they even were accused of the same things, it would never end. It would be talked about for three years straight on every media channel. So why isn't it happening the other way around? How do you miss the control that they have over that kind of discussion? And then seeing that control, how do you not stand back and go, well, gee... Why am I believing everything that they're pumping through this? Wouldn't it at least argue that some of what they're saying about the guy that they want to put down would be negative or false or incorrect? Nope, because we're politically choosing a side. As Mick Wallace points out, listen to Nils Melsner on Assange, persecution. If we prosecute people who expose war crimes for exposing war crimes, How far have we sunk when we no longer prosecute our own criminals, when we identify more with them than we identify with the people who expose these crimes? This is why I just can't get past how obvious it is that for somebody in Julian Assange's position, or Julian Assange specifically, with the organization of WikiLeaks, allowed the exposure of things that we still, to this point, never dispute are absolute crimes. 100%. Nobody denies that. And yet every single thing that has happened has gone after the people who have exposed those crimes. Nobody who was involved with the crimes themselves, who we all have been our crimes, have ever been and even investigated. That is the end of the story. There is no more you need to see to recognize how broken this all is. And here is the rapporteur on torture saying, yeah, they're criminals and we don't care. <laughs> and I'm conspiracy theorist, right? And of course, this is a big deal that you guys are, look at what Russia just did to unarmed Ukrainian civilians. Take a look at this. This is incredible. Dropping on, oh, oh, wait a minute. That doesn't look like Ukraine. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say, did I say Russia? I meant Israel against Palestinians, meaning you can go ahead and ignore this entirely. They often drop tear gas that causes seizures and sometimes death on, and on civilians, including women and children. But you know, no big deal. Look away because it's not in Ukraine or not allegedly happening in Ukraine. That's all you need, right? For those in the podcast guys, this is pretty disgusting. This is a drone in Israel dropping tear gas or what they call tear gas on a screaming crowd of children, women, and civilians. That's a, that is a woman with a baby right there. They are literally, and she's just walking because this is just normal, right? This is what they experience every day. And I mean, I don't know that's what she's thinking, but I mean, she's just kind of chill walking by. I mean, you know, how, you know how normal this actually is? This is the Al-Aqsa Mosque area. They are They are tear gassing civilians. Do you see guns in people's hands? Do you see them breaking the law? This is what happens because they just don't want them there. They do this in plenty of examples, as Robert's written about, just to get them out of the way so they can bring in Israelis. Why is this acceptable to anybody? This is on a time. This is at a time right now when this is a very a an important religious time for for Muslims specifically, and this is what they do almost every time, Ramadan. So this happens, and as I said, if this was even the allegation with no video of just saying they just did this and they just somebody died, this would be on every single Western press. Of course, they'd probably go, "Well, Ukraine says that they still at least say that," but everywhere. Nobody talked about this. Oh, and guess what? They're also shooting people, arresting children. You know, happens every day. Nobody cares. And I'm shooting them, and they're dying, right? But verifiably on video sometimes, but not a word. Here's Marshall pointing out hands and feet handcuffed by a Colson collar in the middle of a mosque. This is Al Aqsa, by the most democratic army in the world, or as you know, the, the joke of the mo- the most the most the, mo- the only democracy in the Middle East, right? This is what life looks like for Palestinians who pray peacefully during the holy month of Ramadan. Guys, this is not a joke. What They didn't do anything wrong. They were just present at a time when they argue, I guess, somebody threw stones somewhere outside or somewhere in the general area, and they just lock them all down. They spray them with bullets. They actually shot these people with rubber-coated bullets and, as I understand, reports of real bullets as well. That's coming from their reports. This is what it looks like to live in the only democracy in the Middle East if you're a Palestinian. Anyway, because it doesn't matter. Let's forget about it, right? Just move on, because they don't matter. Only the allegations of neo-Nazis over there matter today. But let's start with censorship. Because this is how they're controlling the flow of information. While they're literally arguing out of both sides of their mouth, it is this is one of the most... Chi- this is outright hypocritical, like on its face, what they're going to write out, I'm going to read to you directly from the government, is basically saying that we need censorship because censorship is good because it stops the bad guys. But look over there. You know what they're doing? They're censoring because they're bad and because censorship is bad. Okay, so the only kind of theme is that it's only bad when the bad guys do it. Where have we heard that before? Literally out of the mouths of the people in the intelligence community. It's only bad when they do it. Well, gee, shouldn't you ask the question if maybe they're not the good guys? Maybe they're all bad guys. Maybe they're all just manipulating the situation and pointing at each other when they do the same thing because they want to get away with it. And this is just open social engineering. Just a thought. Now, if you're unwilling to even consider that, well, that's a choice. Choosing to believe your own reality or believe your own makeup reality because you just don't want to look at what's happening or at least consider that it could be wrong. Just like with Ukraine. I'm not saying you have to believe what I'm saying, but you should acknowledge the fact that there is a two, there's a t—there's more than one side of this, especially when they're just yelling at you what you're supposed to think. This is Hillary Clinton. For too long, tech platforms have amplified disinformation. Are we really even pretending that's happening? Like these tech platforms have been censoring people more than they've ever in their history. But you see, this is just the point. This is they, they're building this. This is in this has been stated the same way over and over and over from the same people over and over and over. And they, the censorship gets more and more and more, and they go, they're they're letting it happen, except they only like to point at the ones they want to get rid of, you know, like the gabs and the, whatever else. They're amplifying the same thing, and then you look, and well, here's the same tweet over on Twitter, or here's the same thing on Facebook. Is that weird that they didn't care to make the big deal about that? It's pretty subjective, and, and see yeah, exactly. It says for too long, tech platforms have amplified disinformation and extremism with no accountability. Now, to some degree, I agree with that because they totally allow pedophilia and all sorts of disgusting things on YouTube and everywhere else that we've shown you over and over and over. But of course, we'll we'll aggressively censor discussions of vaccines that they just don't like, even though they're verifiable. So So which one is extremism and disinformation, right? I mean, think about that. Because right this moment, you could find that stuff on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. You could, I mean, think about the fact that they're promoting the Aza Battalion, a group that they're currently calling neo-Nazis. But that's okay. But I can't question the narrative without being sensitive. You know, what they're framing as disinformation extremism is me, people like us, people who they want to then conflate with just the conservative, far-right kind of idea. You see, and this is all leading back to the same connection they're building here the EU is poised to do something about it and we talked about this i urge our transatlantic allies to push the digital services act this is just a sim- this is the controlling of the internet this is a censorship. this is a broad tool that's being given to the powerful to be able to dictate what you're allowed to do and say and in fact a lot of ways we know that this is about verification having an I- you have to id yourself to be able to go online and do things this is the great reset guys they want to bring it across the finish line and bolster global democracy Right. Because making sure that we can control what you say is about democracy. This is 1984, guys. This is literally the inverse of the reality. But that's what they do. As long as they get their, their little me up peons out there bleeding about the fact that you don't believe in democracy because you don't believe in censorship, even though they're literally undermining their own point. doesn't matter, guys. That's what's happening in Ukraine. It's what's happening in, in COVID-19. I mean, they are literally out there. That's my point about the mask we'll get to. I mean, this, this is, they've broken their minds. They don't even understand that they're saying the same thing that they just attacked 30 seconds ago. You can't take away my choice to wear a mask. It's like, who's forcing you to? The point is that we've removed the forcing on the other people, and you somehow misinterpret that as not allowing you to do it. It's just broken. Their brains don't even work, it seems. Zuby points out, and I don't think it's only liberals, but... I mean, in this case, it seems to be in the two-party paradigm. But realize, from the same side, you can have you can show a conservative angle for why they would want to do the same thing to people on the left, right? Don't 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 misconstrue this as a left for. This is a government manipulating people against each other. As but Zuby points out, liberals these days be like. Freedom is a threat to democracy, which is funny because essentially what they're saying, right? They're saying you can't say what you, you, your freedom to say what you want or your freedom to make your own choice is a threat to democracy. But then that's literally countering the idea of what you pretend democracy is. But it doesn't matter. It's counterintuitive. But understand that in this moment, yes, I agree with that statement. But are we going to pretend that if the, given the same position, the conservatives wouldn't argue that we need to shut down speech of certain things on that's You know that's the same thing. That's the problem with the two-party paradigm. It teeter-totters back and forth. Until we can realize that that shouldn't be any of them, well, then it will continue. He says, obviously, the best way to protect democracy is suppression of free speech, deplatforming political opponents, censoring all dissent, unnecessary mandates, infringement of human rights, coerced coerced medical procedures, and the trampling of individual civil liberties. Democracy, right? I mean, it's really that dumb. Now, Clinton and Obama rail against free speech under the guise of fighting misinformation. Over the last twenty-four hours, Obama and clinton have come out against free speech calling for big tech to go further to censor the views they disagree with right i mean even if you agree with them how do you not stand back and realize that you're simply creating a situation where you're deciding subjectively what is good and bad and then taking action to stop people from saying the things that you think aren't allowed like first of all this is just so inherently counter to anything we've ever pretended to be Just because you just decided one day that those things shouldn't be stated because these people that you're looking at, Clinton, Obama types are warping your brain into thinking that you're the good guy. The problem is that when that flip flops later, like this is the crazy part about how the juvenile nature of the two party paradigm, like you just saw Trump get elected. Right. You just saw how this goes back and forth. So you're creating all this power of censorship and and shutting down things like that won't that possibly couldn't happen again. So what happens when Trump gets elected? What happens when a Republican gets elected? Then you guys are going to freak out about, oh my God, they're censoring everybody. And it just goes back and forth. And it's just, you, and I don't even think that, I think that that is an illusion in and of itself. I don't believe that most people even fall into these categories. I think we're arguing about things that don't exist, but that's too deep for some of the people out there in the two party stuff to realize. I think that they're pointing to something that's not really there. They all think this and we need to protect this. and, And most of us are kind of like, geez, this is crazy. But a lot of that most I just pointed at don't realize they're the majority. I've said that a lot. But here we are. Subjectively pointing out what we should remove and is going to happen. It's already happening. It says one of the biggest reasons for weakening of democracy which is not even remotely what we actually have, even if we did, we shouldn't want something like that. Again, this is just a bastardization of what these things are, is the profound change that's taken place in how we communicate and consume information. Right. They want to control that. There's no misunderstanding that. They don't want you to be able to think what you want, communicate how you want with the people you want. They want to be able to control it. They want to go, well, that guy's bad. That idea is dangerous. And if you say it out loud, you should have. You should be accountable for that. This is just, this is authoritarian nature. This is completely controlling ideas. He then said that people are dying because of disinformation. Yeah, we're back there now. We just took a sharp turn right back into COVID land and we're going, oh my God, your your discussion of things that we don't like is killing people. Well, no, it's not. Just literally, it's not. Even if you want to pretend that what I'm saying could somehow drive someone in the wrong direction to take an action that would danger them or put them in danger you there's legally speaking there's literally no way you could make an argument that i just put that person in danger like even trying to compare like yelling fire in a theater it's not the same thing not even remotely i am simply discussing things which oh don't forget is my constitutional right people have the choice then to come to that information look at it read it digest it decide to research it for themselves show discernment but you oh don't forget they're training them not to do that and then blaming us for why they're too dumb to know right but you see all these checks and all these blocks in between. Like if you're sitting next to me in a theater and I scream fire and then all of a sudden stuff happens. Well, that's quite a bit different than me deciding to say something in a room that you're not in. But then you go, I want to see what's in that room. Walk in the room and hear me yell it and then make choices after that. That's all. Those are choices you made to be present there. Like this, this is so childish that I even have to explain this, which you guys all know. But this is the kind of level that they're aiming this at, the lowest common denominator. Dying because of disinformation? How about dying because of direct violence? How about murdering people in foreign countries for their resources? Nah, those things don't matter. We only care about your abstract connection to possible things that we say are happening based on your objective conversation around peer-reviewed science. Yeah, you're a bad person. I mean, just think about how abstract that is compared to literally bombing countries for the resources or literally starving the entire country of Yemen or literally funding open... Wahhabists or open neo-Nazis or on and on and on. But, you know, we're dangerous. Quote, you have to fight to provide people with the information they need to be free and self-governing. I mean, think about that sentence as Zero Hedge pointed out. In other words, government approved narratives. Exactly. But just let me read this sentence again. Talk about 1984 in one sentence. You have to fight to provide people with the information they need to be free and self-governing. So he's talking about them fighting a battle over what information gets pushed out. That's a control flow of information so that we can get the things he's decided is what we should see to be free and self-governing after they control exactly what you see and what you're allowed to do and say and do and walk, blah, blah, blah. But that's free though, it's free, right? Walk into this cage and then you're free to walk from corner to corner. (laughs) That's basically what they're saying. I just, it's just, I don't. I don't believe anybody really buys this. Here's Obama saying, again, back to vaccines, that people who don't want to do it, after all this time, two and a half years, as I just saw someone tweet. Uh, anybody want to explain for me why all the unvax people aren't just dead everywhere? I mean, the way they've been presenting this, I mean, it's pretty. I mean, they're going to argue, oh, they're filling up the hospitals. No, they're really not. Literally, in fact, there are four times the risk of getting sick in UK and anywhere else you're pointing at, but let's just keep yelling narratives that are completely baseless and not connected to the facts. If they're spreading it the most, they're and, and just simple numbers, the most in the hospital, the most dying, the most, all of this. That's why they're hiding the Scotland and the UK data. That's why they're manipulating what you see on the CDC. They don't want you to see this stuff. I've literally proven this in front of you. That's why they are no longer showing you the breakdown. So after all this time, uh, people who are unvaccinated are faring better. And of course, they pretend to they ignore all of the other things, the myocarditis and the other, the blood clots and the heart attacks and the strokes and everything else that's happening. They just don't include that because, you know, we don't know for sure. Right. So when he says, despite the fact that we now have essentially clinically tested the vaccine on you, which by the way, means that you were a test subject. Oh, wasn't that a conspiracy theory? Well, too late. It's always been right in front of you. In fact, Fauci even said himself that, you know, we won't know until it gets out there. It's just crazy how people choose not to hear what they don't want to hear. Let's just play the clip and you can listen to it yourself. And yet, despite the fact that we've now essentially clinically tested the vaccine on billions of people worldwide. Yeah, and a lot died and a lot got sick and a lot struggled. Of course, the vast majority of that got sidestepped and ignored because, you know, we don't know for sure. Which, by the way, means that you don't know if it happened or not, which means it could have. And by the way, for the large degree, I'm just playing devil's advocate. We know that this stuff is happening. Bayer's is exploding. They're admitting it. I mean, again, to the point from the beginning, every single thing that we're pointing at was fake news until they grudgingly admitted part of it. How do we not recognize how ridiculous that is? Around one in five Americans is still willing to put themselves at risk and... Put their families at risk rather than get vaccinated. It's not one in five, by the way, guys. I mean, do you not realize how willfully dishonest that is? Check this out. Look at the uptake. I haven't looked at it in a minute. We'll see what it says now. What's what's interesting is this this shows you the breakdown of how it's going down. Remember, it was higher before. What does that show you? That means that they are 100% altering the definition based on whatever they want it to be. Is it two? Is it three? Is it five? Who knows? They don't even tell you anymore. It's up to date. So why would you even believe that it's 66%? Because that's not, that's not true. Like if there is, if we have gone down, that means that they're going to four to be fully injected or altering the definition to be like only four if you're in this category, but three, if you're in this category, which is completely unverifiable which is exactly what they want, which is why they hide the data and say, now just listen to what we tell you it is. The UK, Scotland, they just no longer, you don't understand it, you're too stupid, so we're not going to show you anymore, because that's how transparency works. 66.5% they claim is fully injected. Guys, this has been two and a half years, and they had to threaten, coerce, lie, cheat, steal, fire people, destroy businesses, just to drive that past 50%. OK, so right now he's telling you one in five Americans are still waiting to risk. you. No, we're talking almost 50 percent of America is aggressively considering not doing anything more. Or how about in Scotland, how we see that the number for the last booster has basically zeroed out because even the people that have been towing the line thus far are going, look, I'm done with this. This is crazy. Like, I'm I am i am getting sick. Things are happening to me. All my neighbors that weren't vaccinated are not getting sick. I mean, it's just I'm hearing this from everybody. You're not going to hear on the Western press because that's the last thing they're ever going to tell you. 66.5% fully is what they say. I just can't even get past how obvious it is that if you, even if you, even if it was all the way 66 right in the beginning and then it just stopped, that still shows you that a huge portion, a huge portion of America does not go along with this because they were coerced into it. But Obama will tell you otherwise, because people who buy this stuff don't look at the facts. They yell that you're not looking at the facts, but they think they know the facts because of what Obama says are the facts or whoever they are listening to at the time, because that's how they're taught to think that it's I'm smart because I listen to what I'm told are smart people. But smart people look at the data.
2: People are dying because of misinformation.
1: Are they now? I think people are dying because you guys are bombing people, you know, maybe, maybe that's a factor or maybe because you're giving people injections that haven't been tested properly or because there's lots of dangerous things like my mRNA and lipid nanoparticles and spike proteins and all these peer-reviewed science of science out there, all the peer-reviewed science out there has roundly continually shown you that these things are dangerous. Even their science from before we got here said they were dangerous, but who cares about all the facts? Listen to Obama, you know, cause he's smart. I mean, it's just this silly guys. And this is why I do not think people are buying this. These things are hurting people and you have countless, I mean, let's. Just, I don't want to keep going off on this. We're, let's get into the actual facts and information. And I'll show you that right now on, in addition to everything else we've talked about, we have the obvious reality of how clear the myocarditis risk is enough by itself, but not even remotely the full picture. There is so many things out there in a big pile of, of super rare, which they really aren't. But even then, if they were super rare are enough to show you, the risk is too great. As the joke I made before, how many really rare problems in a pile become more than rare? I mean, we're so far past that. I mean, there's like, there's probably a hundred different things they've said this thing can cause, but they're all super rare, despite the data, as they ignore everything that's happening in bears. But here's Glenn Greenwald pointing out former intelligence officials, and this is what they were referencing, citing Russia, of course, because, of course, right? We can't just allow you to say what you want because Russia. Isn't that exactly what they said before? We're lying to you because Russia's information war. They're slowly stepping into the light. They're slowly showing you who they really are under a guise that we have to be this way to fight bad guys until one day just that's what they are because that's they were top down control. They're trying to get ahead of this, it seems. They say big tech monopoly power is apparently vital to national security. Is that funny how just sharp turn all of a sudden to where we're going? We need to break up the control they have. And now it's like, well, we need to fight bad guys. Even Republicans are saying this, guys. This is not just a one-sided thing. Now, yes, it's, our, I would argue, at the moment, more so a left-leaning discussion. But there's plenty of Republicans that would argue that Russia's Russia bad guy and that we need to do this because the in, the intelligence agencies, because that's the angle they would take. From, from within the two-party illusion, right, you're going to have one side of this about hate speech and bad things you're not supposed to say, and that's why we have to continue to do this. On the other side, the way that it'll reach the people that are buying their BS is by the in, the, the Foreign policy and the intelligence community, because that's always been what they get to in some degree on the right. If this is the two party paradigm, continuing to control your mind, it's vital to national security. Isn't that an age old excuse? Right. Well, Smith Modernization, Mo, Smith Modernization Act. Right. They've literally passed a law a while back in 2007, if I remember correctly. Updated it anyway where now they can literally propagandize you. That's the Smith-Mont-Modernization Act. They can lie to you on the news if it's for national security. Simple. It's uh, You know what I should do, actually, since I've brought that up before? I have a couple articles on the website that I'll share with you guys. If you're interested in reading more about the Smith-Mont-Modernization Act, it's really important. It was a big, big shift. Uh, let's do this. That'll be enough. I think there's two main articles on here. One, I think, was a share from Mint Press back when we were doing that still. And the other one's one that I wrote. The bottom line is they passed they, this uh, uh, update to this to this act to allow themselves to propagandize. Look at how slow this is going, guys. This is crazy. I mean, this site is completely under attack, just constantly. I'm, they can't even figure out why. I don't want to get derailed on that. But even the team over there is going, like, we, don't know. we don't know what's happening. <clears throat> they passed this in order to be able to manipulate what's being sold to you on the news as long as they claim it's for national security and they're not even allowed to say anything good god look how long that took okay well, i wonder why traffic is so low gee i wonder why <laughs> ridiculous uh well, that's a good article you should read actually look at that I wrote that a, i wrote that a long time ago anyway I'm going to leave it there if this doesn't load, but <clears throat> there you go. This is the one. I This is the one. Oh, there it is. Perfect. Got it. That's enough. That's all we need. One was from Whitney from a while back. This is an important read, by the way. The bait and switch. The Donald Trump and the new establishment. <clears throat> it's really important. It's, really, it's, I'm, it's pretty prescient, in my opinion, to what actually happened. But, <clears throat> excuse me, this was 2018. Here's one of them. I This one I wrote, the Smith Modernization Act in mainstream media, the legalized deception of the American people. And here's one that Whitney wrote, lifting of U.S. propaganda ban gives the new meaning to old song. Now, a group of former intelligence, according to Glenn Greenwald, And national security officials on Monday issued a joint letter warning that pending legislative attempts to restrict or break up the power of big tech monopolies, right? The very thing we've all been focused on, like, oh, it's too powerful. And we all know this. If you can literally censor a sitting president, I mean, crying out loud, guys, that's way too much power for these people that have no accountability to anybody. And in fact, are absolutely influenced, at the very least, I would argue, controlled by groups like the CIA and intelligence agencies and the government itself. That's beyond the shadow of a doubt, guys. When you're literally connected like Facebook to Atlantic Council, who then influences what you're censoring, it's it's an open and shut case. But they're now saying that we need to stop that from happening. Facebook, Google, Amazon, doing so, breaking them up, as they said, would jeopardize national security because, they argue, their centralized censorship power is crucial to advancing U.S. foreign policy. Is this not like exactly what we've been saying is happening and they're calling us fake news for? That they've been literally censoring to advance agendas of the government? Guys, that's actually what they're saying right now. I mean, this is incredible. They're coming out and telling you, well, we can't get rid of it. We can't do that because that'll jeopardize our ability to stop what you're saying that goes against our narratives. This is called saying the quiet part out really loud. I don't even understand why this is being done so openly but it's happening. That's why you got people like Hillary and Obama being trotted out, the usual suspects, to go, "We need to censor more." But they're not really saying that. They're essentially saying, "Bad guy, bad guys shouldn't be able to speak bad things. We need to censor disinformation." It just whatever they mean, they means whatever they want it to mean. But here is the quiet part out loud. Their centralized censorship power is crucial to advancing US foreign policy. Is it true? Doesn't matter. Is it accurate? Doesn't matter. Is it the right thing to do? Doesn't matter. It's about their agenda, and if we believe that the foreign policy of the United States has ever been rooted in what's right, moral, and in accurate, filled with integrity, they, I, it, you think that? Then you're simply not paying attention. The majority of this letter is devoted to repeatedly invoking the grave threat allegedly posed by the U.S. by uh, in the to the U.S. by Russia, as illustrated by the invasion of Ukraine. Again, they're just simply using that same old narrative to point out why this is why we need to keep censoring you. And it repeatedly points to the dangers of Putin and the Kremlin to justify the need to preserve Big Tech's power in its maximalist form. Any attempts to restrict Big Tech's monopolistic power would therefore undermine the U.S. fight against Moscow. Isn't that simple? All done. We got to fight bad guy Russia, so you have to shut up. Think about that. Now, this is—you should read this article. I'm going to come back to this. Actually, there's a lot in here, <clears throat> but I wanted to just get that point out there. Oh, and uh, jumping to this, so I wanted to read this. I was I was trying to skim through and see what parts I wanted to read. I I want you guys just to hear this whole letter, and I'm gonna try to do it quickly. This is just incredible to me. This is April 18th. Now ask yourself why why wasn't this this is April 18th. This is the 22nd today. This is an incredibly important statement being put out by the government. Did you hear? I mean, I like actually I should be honest. I I rarely watch Western mainstream press anymore. I try to get the you know insight from what I think they're trying to do to manipulate. My point in saying that is maybe they did discuss this and I missed it, but I usually get that stuff from the peripheral. But as far as I can tell, they didn't point this out to you. If they were even e- pretending to be what they, they claim they are, this would be a huge thing to discuss. But as it says, open letter from foreign former defense intelligence, Homeland Security, and cyber officials calling for national security review Of congressional technical legislation. Now, I should be clear. These are former people. But if we're at the point now where we're we're debating whether these people still have influence and connection to the very governments that they're no longer with, I, I just think it's, you know, but we should be clear, that's not technically directly from the government. But it's kind of that joke of there is no such thing as former CIA and so on, right? I mean, these people continue to do what they've always been doing. And we should see that. But it says this is a pivotal moment in modern history. There's a battle brewing between authoritarianism and democracy. And the former is using all the tools in his disposal, including a broad disinformation campaign and the threats of cyber attacks to bring about a change in the global order. We must conform these global challenges, confront, excuse me. Okay, so they're framing this as authoritarianism versus democracy. Now, just really quickly to make a quick point I'll come back to is not it's interesting that right now, the same point, and by the way, the same day. Here's the New York Times going, well, China and Russia are a, giving authoritarianism a bad name. Okay, well, is it bad or good? I mean, is it what we want to be, and they're just giving it a bad name? Or, you know, this is the point because they know we're going there. They want to eventually rationalize why a top-down control, but because Russia, though, not because we want to, we have to, is a good thing. But it's all oh, they're giving it a bad name. Here's why authoritarianism could be good. This is the same kind of stuff they've done around any other topic about you know, trying to normalize why these Ozob battalions, well, yeah, they're right, but here's why they're not what you think. This is the kind of gross equivocation that they do. Now, back to the letter, they're arguing it's a battle between authoritarianism and democracy, when what we're really looking at is authoritarianism versus authoritarianism. That's what they're doing. That's what this is. And they just want the control, not them. But of course, they only can frame themselves as fighting for only good things. And just, you know, clumsily destroying things along the way. Oops, on accident. We were trying to give them freedom. Instead, we gave them slavery. My bad. But just, you know, narrative is all it is. The former, of course, authoritarianism using the tools at its disposal, including a broad disinformation campaign, cyber attacks. Okay, well, pretty sure, verifiably, the so-called democracy in this case, the U.S. government, uses all these tools. In fact, right now they're literally in this letter arguing why they need those tools. Think about how ridiculous and counterintuitive that is, but including a broad disinformation campaign. Well, didn't they just admit that they're doing that because Russia's information? Yeah. They just said we're in the midst of an information war, which is another way to say that is a disinformation campaign. So they're doing it too. Okay. Threat of cyber attacks. Well, they admit to cyber attacks and cyber you know, engagement because, well, they're bad guys. So all it really comes down to is they can't do those things because we say they're bad guys. Right. But we democracy, therefore, we can. To bring a change in the global order in a good way, though. Right. See, they're arguing that they want to bring a change to the global order, and that's bad. But right now they're telling you we need to change the global order, whether, to, you know, Great Reset or the Multipolar Order, whatever they're saying. So just realize how silly it is that they are saying and doing every single one of the things at their own admission. The only difference is Russia, bad guy. And really, I would argue all of them are dangerous. It's just silly that we're acting like these people are fighting for anything other than their own agenda. U.S. technology platforms have given the world the chance to see the real story of the horrific human rights abuses in Ukraine, including Bucha. Right, something that has all but verifiably been shown to be absolutely manipulated. The data they put forward has been shown to be falsified. I mean, everything from the the, the, the very white ties on the back of their arms that were not what they said. I mean, this has been shown over and over by people that have been shot by Ukrainians, by specifically the Oz of Italian. Or the fact that we they were caught on video dragging these bodies into exactly the positions that they were later found in. I mean, you just can't miss how obvious this is, but they don't care because it's not about the facts. <clears throat> so what they're saying is these tech platforms Have allowed us to see this. And the incredible bravery of the Ukrainian people, they say, who continue to stand their ground. Social media platforms are filled with messages of support. At the same time, Putin and his regime have sought to twist facts in order to show Russia a liberator instead of an aggressor. Okay, so what they're arguing is that we are censoring and manipulating to make sure you see the real thing. Because that makes sense, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's not like, you know, but then he comes in and he's censoring and doing the same thing we argue we still want to be able to do. And it's bad because he's censoring you for bad things. This is, You might as well be a preschool, a kindergartner sitting there. They're just going, when we do it, it's good. When they do it, it's bad. When reporting and images of the atrocities in Bucha began to circulate, along with evidence and testimony pointing to Russian forces of the perpetuators, Which, by the way, that very sentence means that we didn't prove anything, and in fact came directly from the statements of Ukrainian people, or specifically the Battalion groups that are open neo-Nazis who have openly said they want to hurt these people. The Kremlin is quick to label it as fake news. Okay, so when we said this happened without evidence, they were quick to say it didn't happen. Oh, terrible. The Russian government is seeking to alter the information landscape by blocking Russian citizens from receiving content. That would show the true facts on the ground. Isn't that exactly what you are literally arguing you need to keep doing? But for the truth, who actually buys this stuff? Like, I'm not saying I, I, I've i already proven to you, in fact, that Russia is censoring things or or blocking discussions of certain things in certain contexts. And they say that's terrible and it is terrible. But they're going, but well, we need to do that because fake news. If anybody doesn't see that as the exact same thing, you are making a political choice because of what you want to be, where you, the reality you want to live in. They're the same thing. The only difference is narrative. They're both censoring you because they want to control what's happening. They want to control what they say is the right thing to say. Stupid. And it has already received buy-in from other like-minded states like Russia or like China, whose social media platform TikTok continues to abide by Moscow's rule of digital authoritarianism. (laughs) Really? Is that their rule? That's what you call it. There's no such rule. They don't call themselves that. So this is just simple, subjective stuff as always. But recognize that TikTok was also censoring and is still censoring us right now around both Ukraine and around COVID-19. So it almost seems like TikTok is in lockstep with the censorship agenda. Look at that. But of course, they say, well, that bad because they're doing exactly what we're doing You know, you get the point. I mean, it's just so it's it's just tiresome. Indeed, it says it is telling that among the Kremlin's first actions of the war was blocking U.S. platforms in Russia. Well, pretty sure I shouldn't even say it like that. Hundred percent. Obviously, so they're still using YouTube in Russia right now. That's not the same thing they're making out. They're just basically lying to you about this. Now, are if you're going to pretend like Russia is blocking specific things on YouTube, that means they're working with YouTube. So what are we actually saying here? They're all censoring, everywhere, every single one of them. They just don't like when they do it. Putin knows that U.S. digital platforms can provide Russian citizens valuable views and facts about the war that he tries to distort through lies. Now, yeah, that may be what's happening, or it could be the literal inverse of that. Why you would trust what they frame as the truth is ridiculous to me. These are the very people involved with Iraq and WMDs, with babies on cold incubator floors, and every other lie they've fed you but trust them now because Russia bad. U.S. technology platforms have already taken concrete steps to shine a light on Russia's actions to brutalize Ukraine. Have they? Have they proven anything? No, they're just highlighting things that they want you to see. It's like everything else. Through their efforts, the world knows what is truly happening in cities like Mariupol. Right. In fact, I agree with that. The point is that they don't like what is squeaking out. We are seeing lots of information, more so, and I mean like, like 20 to one from people coming out of Mariupol saying we were raped, we were shot, we were we were starved by the Ukrainian troops. Yeah, it could all be lies. I've always said that. I don't believe it is. The evidence is pretty overwhelming. My point is the world did see that, but that's not what they're pointing at. They're saying through their efforts by censoring what Russia is saying, the rules, the people got to see what, what's really happening. Well, what that really means is by only allowing your narrative to go through undistorted by manipulation from Moscow. Providing timely and accurate on-the-ground information and disrupting the scourge of disinformation from Russia state media is essential for allowing the world to see the human toll of Russia. Are you seriously pretending that what they've been giving you is timely and accurate on-the-ground information? They're only pointing to their stuff. The only timely and on-the-ground information you're getting is coming from people like Patrick Lancaster or people that are showing you on-the-ground people coming out from Mariupol. What you're getting from them is Ukraine said And I've been showing you that every single day, every day. They said this, we can't confirm. That's what their articles say. They just are lying to you right here. And people will blindly recite this lie because they don't know anything else. It goes on to say Russia's, uh, to see the toll Russia's aggression is increasingly integral to U.S. diplomatic and national security efforts. So what if Russia's not actually doing that? It's still important to their agenda. That's what, that's the point. For you to think that's happening is the important thing for their agenda. It is our belief that these efforts will play a part in the ending of the war. <clears throat> well, what they're doing is making sure it goes on forever. The insurgency that was meant to last forever, which has been admitted by the CIA. Meanwhile, cybersecurity threats from authoritarian regimes are also on the rise. As Biden said, the United States is facing a threat from Russia. Okay, point at one. I'll wait. I, oh, Okay, Oh, the ones they said happened? Okay, well now prove that was Russia. I'll wait. None of that happened. Biden yelled that. He sure did. Where we can see cybersecurity threats on the rise is completely not even there. They said it's going to happen. They said it's building. Now, on top of all of the things that we keep seeing back in the whole Russiagate scare, how many times they yelled that happened and this showed to be lying, yet we're still here. They face an extraordinary threat from these things. Now, I'm not even saying that's not true. I 100% believe Russia would do that because they're trying to I guess, fight back what U.S. is doing or just want to take advantage of a situation. Every government, I believe, is doing that. You know who does it more than anybody, and it's verifiable? The U.S. government. And the private sector must accelerate efforts to lock their digital doors. In response to the heightened threat environment, U.S. technology companies have accelerated their partnership with the U.S. government. Think about what it's saying there. That's what we keep. That was fake news a year ago, that they're literally working alongside. When they work with the government, they are the government. And it's allies to improve our collective defense. Now, what they've effectively done is put the social media companies in line with defending your whatever they want to say, your rights, your national security, which then makes them part of the intelligence apparatus. Which, by the way, it always has been. They're just admitting it now. Both in public and behind the scenes, these companies have rolled out integrated cyber defenses. Yep been there for a long time and it's focused on you rapidly fuse threat intelligence across products and services and move quickly to block malicious actors on their platforms which is whatever they say it is they've blocked plenty of people for being russian misinformation who have no connection to russian government whatsoever just because they say what they think which just so happens to align with russia was saying This partnership has resulted in the detection and disruption of series of significant security threats from Russia and Belarus. In the face of these growing threats, U.S. policymakers must not inadvertently hamper the ability of U.S. technology platforms to counter increasing disinformation and cybersecurity risks, particularly in the West, as the West continues to rely on the scale and reach of these firms to push back on the Kremlin. Guys, that's an open, stated intelligence operation taking place through these social media platforms these policymakers must not inadvertently hamper the ability of these platforms to counter this disinformation. They are telling you what's happening. Okay, at this point, now this is state censorship. Period. It always has been. But now they're blatantly showing you that they are involved with the government. So now when they censor you, that is the government censoring free speech. They can't hide from this anymore, and they never really should have been able to. It says that, recently proposed congressional legislation would unintentionally curtail the ability of these platforms to target disinformation. How exactly is that even possibly the case? What it does is it chips away at their all-encompassing control to control what you're saying. These companies, whether they're broken up or not, can still actively monitor what's happening on their platforms and do whatever they continue to say they want to do, which ultimately translates to suppressing your thoughts and controlling your speech which is disgusting. It says legislation from both the House and Senate requiring non-discriminatory access for all business users, broadly defined to include foreign rivals, on U.S. digital platforms will provide an open door for foreign adversaries to gain access to the software and hardware of American technology companies. Really? By allowing them access to the platform account. Isn't that already what happens? I mean, how stupid do you think we are you're telling me that Russian government couldn't just pretend to be somebody with a VPN and have access to an account that already happens. This is just this is playing on the ignorance of the average person. Unfettered access to software and hardware, which is not what you're getting by simply being able to access the platforms. It's access for all business users. is talking about being able to access Twitter. It's not having access to the hardware of the company it could result in major cyber threats, misinformation, access to data of US persons. They're trying to scare people. Other provisions in the legislation would damage the capability of US technology companies to roll out integrated security tools to adequately screen for nefarious apps and malicious actors, weakening security measures. This is the US intelligence apparatus. You can see its fingers threaded through everything in these companies. That's what they're making clear for you right now. Other provisions would damage the capability of them to roll these things out. Weakening security measures currently embedded in device and platform operating systems. That's such an obvious statement. Right now, they have those things embedded in everything you're using. Tracking, monitoring, cataloging. Our national security greatly benefits from the capacity of these platforms to detect and act against these types of risks. Now, realize they're framing us as these risks right now. Americans, therefore, must not be unintentionally impeded. We call on congressional committees with national security jurisdiction, including the armed services committees, intelligence committees, homeland security committees in both sides to conduct a review of any legislation that could hinder America's key technology companies in the fight against cyber and national security. I didn't know it was Twitter's job to fight against cybersecurity or to fight for national security. I didn't know that was how that worked because they're part of the government. And of course, only emanating from Russia and China. Such a review would ensure the legislative proposals do not enhance our adversaries' capabilities. (laughs) So, slowing down your ability to censor us would enhance their capabilities? They're treating you like you're stupid. There were also, uh, what was the last part? Russia's invasion of Ukraine marks the start of a new chapter in global history. Well, look at that. Right in line with their plan. One in which the ideals of democracy will be put to the test. The United States will need to rely on the power of its technology sector to ensure the safety of its citizens. Well, look at that, right in a nice little bow, right? We need to censor you to protect you. It's for your own good. I hope that resonates like it does for me. And on the note of 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 misinformation, guys, this is something that we were looking at earlier, and and we're just and we just and we did our due diligence on and found out that this was not real. But I believe strongly that things like this, I, let's, let's be first clear first of all, things like this, which I'll show you in a minute, could be put out there by an average person just thinking they're doing the right thing, lying for their truth, as I keep talking about from either side of this, or people that just want to manipulate, want to lie, want to get shares and clicks and whatever else. Or what I actually think some, at least some of this is, is the staging of the narrative for what they're going to be doing, exactly what they're pointing at disinformation it's not just vaccines it's about ukraine like they, that's the whole thing of this document is centered around the idea of russia and ukraine they could barely even get into the vaccine stuff despite the fact that clinton and obama were very clearly on that side of it but the point is that things like this get floated out there went barely any engagement by the way for many of them i've seen but nonetheless i promise you we'll get fact checks Whenever tomorrow, whenever all like every fact check out there will say, Fact check, here's how the disinformation is manipulating it. And Zelensky's not a bad guy, and they're trying to lie about him. Well, none of that has to do with anything, whether this video is real or not. Zelensky's a terrible person, but tied up with disgusting human beings that have done horrible things to good to average people. That's a fact. And by the way, even the Western press was saying that before they suddenly shifted their narrative. I can't say that enough. Anybody out there who doesn't want to look at that and want to pretend like I'm just lying about the good freedom fighter of Ukraine is just a child because it's out there. The I, the very outlet you're reading that says that, how much you want to bet you can look back a year ago and see that they said the opposite a year ago, but they won't do that. But here's my point though. Here's a video where somebody says Zelensky busted with Coke, and here's what's funny is that From every possible angle I can find, and even videos of himself being drunk or inebriated with other things on his own documented videos platforms are out there. It's all over the place. The guy is apparently an absolute druggie and all these different things coming from pretty verifiable sources. But I haven't seen it personally, so I can't say I know that for sure. But there's been lots of discussions from heads of state and plenty of other things about what this guy has been involved in before this until now. So that's why this stuff comes out. But here's the point. Here's a video that just came out. So that's, good, really that's Elon Musk he's talking to, right? And it looks like, oh, and it looks pretty real. Skimming by, it looks like there's definitely a bunch of stuff on his table right there. Now, until I looked for this and did my due diligence and found the real video it came from. Time, the war, well
0: from
1: now, there's two things. Now, obviously the first point you say, well, that could be, that could be manipulated, of course, but this comes from March 5th, quite a while before I saw that video come out, right? So that could have been manipulated. Anything is possible today. Everything could be fake for all we know. My point is that it seems that this was an attempt to make it, well, that's weird, an attempt to make it look like this is happening. When, when my opinion is because it is happening and because the idea is to put out these things that undermine the truth that's happening. So when we find real evidence, oh, that's probably fake too or whatever. But the bottom line is, this is the impetus, in my opinion, for creating the false information flow that then gets blamed on people like us who are being objective, who are being critical of everything we see, but they act like this is what we're doing. You see what I'm saying? It's, I think there's a lot of counterintelligence and manipulation happening. But nonetheless, we have to be very careful because even things that are probably lining with the truth are being manipulated out there so that we can muddle the, muddy the waters. We have to be very careful. Now, This point is one of those things that actually, just to start with this, as Alan McLeod pointed out, every once in a while, they take their mask off. They really do. We should pay attention when they do. And I showed you a couple of these clips. To save democracy, we need a few good dictators. Bloomberg writes this. Right? Here's the Washington Post. It's time to give the elites a bigger say in choosing the president. And then they very quickly change that title. This one says democracy works better when there's less of it. Financial Times. Right? These are all real articles they wrote. Now, here's one that I just want to add to that. China and Russia are giving authoritarianism a bad name. They're trying to normalize why these things are not as bad as you think they are, even though they've just spent the last 10 years arguing why Trump is authoritarian, or not just Trump, but whoever they're arguing at that moment, right? Like, that's the big bad thing and taking over our democracy, and now we're, as we become that, and as we've always really been, nothing like we say we are, they just kind of try to normalize it. In any case, guys, there's a lot of misinformation out there, so be careful. Do your due diligence. Now, going over to the COVID part of this, because the misinformation, clearly Obama, Hillary, they all pointed to this being very very centered around COVID-19. Dr. Eli David points out, two years after the entire world, except Sweden, lockdown. Now, I actually don't even know if that's entirely true, but regardless, we know that Sweden was one of the biggest standouts in this. It is now clear that they were all wrong and Sweden was right. 100% agree with that. Will they admit it? Will Fauci apologize for causing the most damage any scientist ever caused? No. Now, what's interesting is here's the article, and I hate how people don't put links. It drives me crazy. Everybody does it. McCullough, everybody, they love to point, just put the image in that to a degree. I get it, because these things can be, I think we should always put the links. I just, I don't know why people don't do that. But the point is, here's an article. We'll come back to that in one second. The point is, this has been discussed openly by plenty of even, you know, corporate media. Sweden saw a lower mortality rate than most of Europe in 2020, despite no lockdown. All this stuff is easy to prove now. Here's the post pointing out that Sweden won the COVID argument. And you can watch all this stuff for yourself. It's exactly what I've already told you, that these people have been shown to be correct. But that doesn't change the narrative, does it? Sort of the point I always make with Dr. Jensen, right? Where he was shown to be right verifiably like three weeks after even sooner like right after he got shouted down censored lost his practice it's verifiable he was correct they still attack him the narrative is all that matters today and that's that's the 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 1984 sort of social engineering broken psychosis kind of world that we're living in today but they're right they did the right thing they ever these places destroyed themselves these lockdowns and they were shown to be right now here's the interesting point I want to make about the manipulation, disinformation, and control of the information that they're trying to argue we still need. You want to search for this headline in the United States, or let's say Google. Look at what you get. Even with the direct quotes exactly spelled right, nothing. What you do get, in fact, is one weird Facebook post that apparently cites the same lie article. But you click on it; it doesn't even. It's, it's think about that. Now, here's an interesting dynamic, an interesting counterbalance. But no way to suggest that there's not just as much control in other directions and other ways in every other part around the world. But here's Yandex, which I believe is a Russian search engine. <laughs> Look at the difference. Same exact thing. And you get the exact article and you get a lot more. A lot more about exactly this and excess mortality in Sweden and other things. Why wouldn't you get the same thing over here? Why wouldn't you get just general discussions about excess mortality or, you know, xing out certain words like they always do? Where you get things that lowest in Europe shows up when you get those. No, nothing. I barely, I rarely ever even see nothing show up in a search. Isn't that incredible? There's control going on right now. They're desperately controlling more than ever. And in fact, arguing loudly why we need that more. Now, as we are, as we're pointing out, Russia's doing the same thing. That's a fact. Seems quite a bit different, doesn't it, though? And that's not to say good or bad or, you know, better or worse. It's simply to point out that there's difference of, in happening, what's being controlled and where. And you can come to your own conclusions about what that means. But I just find it very interesting. Now, don't forget the, the the quick point, though. Sweden's right. They showed that they were right. And that in and of itself destroys the entire narrative and nobody ever wants to point at that. People never did this. They never did that. They didn't lock down. They didn't wear masks or rather they get, were given the option and they never walking around right in the peak time of when this was, everyone's dying, going in shops, going to the beach, walking around. Nobody had a problem. Like in the context of what we would call the pandemic problem, people always get sick. People always go to the hospital. People always die. That's just the reality of life. And what they do is point and say, look at the people in the hospital. They did the wrong thing. Well, now that we can look back past all the hyper fervor and, and narrative control they're right. They had lower mortality. They had lower excess mortality, all of it. Now, let's go over to the reality of the injections that are hurting people. Now, this is just one point, and I've been railing on this since the very beginning of this, but this is just one point that adds to everything else we did. If I'll included every other point that adds to this, it'd be a 14-hour show. That's the problem is they always try to dissect and debunk the one point that you're focusing on as if that destroys it. There are so many of these out there. It makes me sick to think about that we're not talking about every day. Tracy points out, massive Nordic study, and it is huge, finds risk of post-vaccination myocarditis, pericarditis, resulting in hospitalization in males, 16 to 24, of 380 million. One in 2,600 post-Pfizer-Moderna combination. This is 28 times higher than the 17, 13.7 mil, per million, excuse me, per million, that's 380 per million, for 13.7 per million rate they found post-COVID. Bottom line is, this study blows their lies out of the water. Now, as always, you have the CDC do some kind of like weird, quick, flash-in-the-pan observational study that, that supposedly challenges this, and then they only cite that one, right? And this just keeps happening. But let's look at the study itself. JAMA Network, peer-reviewed. And you're going to be blown away by what it finds. Oh, first of all, I wanted to make sure we're clear on this. So, what is IRR? Incident Rate Ratio. An incident rate ratio allows us to compare the incident rate between two different groups. For example, suppose it's known that people who smoke develop lung cancer at a rate of seven per 100 person years. Conversely, suppose it's known that people who do not smoke develop lung cancer at a rate of 1.5 per 100 person years. We would calculate the incident ratio rate. IRR as incident rate among smokers uh, you know in comparison to incident rate among non-smokers or seven out of 100 versus 1.5 out of 100 and it comes out to or excuse me divided by comes out to 4.67 For the podcast, I'm sorry if that sounded confusing. The bottom line is here's how we would interpret the value of the number 4.67 IRR. The lung cancer rate among smokers is 4.67 times as high as the rate among non-smokers. Okay, so basically a IRR less than one indicates that the incident rate is lower in an exposed group or or the people that would take the injection compared to an unexposed group, those who are uninjected. Right. So an IRR greater than one indicates the incident rate is greater in an exposed group, the vaccinated group, compared to the unexposed group, the uninjected. Okay, that's pretty clear. Now, one quick side note, it's things like this, by the way, that make the show longer. It's also because I bloviate and go off on topics like I'm doing right now. But my point is that this kind of stuff is what a lot of people don't like, right? They want to just be told the thing they can say. But that's the problem today, isn't it? I want you to understand what we're saying, not just be able to recite the number, which supposed to mean the thing that we're saying, right? I want people to understand and be able to intelligently discuss what these things are. And the problem is that a lot of people have been dumbed down their whole lives by the whole entire agenda and not really want that anymore. You no, know, and that's part of the problem. But as always on the show, we don't do what gets the most attention or what reaches. We do we do what is right or what I believe is right, and what I do think is the most informal or informative. Excuse me. But the point is, if it's a higher number, that implies that it's a greater problem compared to the people that aren't exposed to whatever the exposure is. In this case, it's an injection. Okay. So here's the study, April twentieth, twenty twenty two. SARS-CoV-2 vaccination and myocarditis in a Nordic cohort study of 23 million residents. Is SARS-CoV-2 RNA vaccination, mRNA vaccination, which by the way, don't forget is mod RNA. It's not actual RNA or not actual mRNA, it's modified RNA, which is relevant. It comes up here periodically and it's definitely relevant. It's another genetically modified thing they're putting in your body. It's not natural. But it says associated with the risk, is it associated with the risk of myocarditis? Well, we know that's a fact. That's for sure. The question is how much. In a cohort study of 23.1 million residents across four different Nordic countries, so not your three-week, very quick, small study that CDC pumps out and acts like changes the whole story. This is a huge study, a peer-reviewed study. For young males receiving two doses of the same injection, data were compatible with between four and seven excess events in 28 days per 100,000 vaccinees after second dose and between nine and 28 per 100,000 vaccinees after the second dose. Now that's just, to me, that's just incredible with just the idea, but let's get to the point about the IRR. The regret, the, basically the adjusted incident rate ratios, the IRRs and excess rates with 95% CIs, all I'm focusing on, by the way, is the IRR here. Comparing rates of myocarditis or pericarditis in the 28 day period following vaccination and rates among unvaccinated individuals. Among the 23 million plus Nordic residents, 81% were vaccinated by the study's end. That's important to think about. Now, for males and males and females, 12 years or older. So it's not just this age group they always pointed at. This is just 12 years or older combined. And not that that combined. Right? So 12 years and older combined is a total group who received a homogenous, a, a homogenous, uh, that's weird. I thought that was homogenous when I read that. Hold on. A modulus, interesting. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Basically, having the same relation, related, relative position. So that is what I'm saying, anyway. Schedule the second dose was associated with high risk of myocarditis, which we already know. By the way, they just pretend that the risk is higher from COVID, which is not even a fair argument because the risk is not immediate. You have to get sick first to get it. This, the moment this goes in your arm, an instantaneous increased risk. That's dangerous for people that have a very low risk of even getting sick, let alone dying from COVID nineteen. It says with an adjusted rate of IRRs of 1.75. So right out of the gate, just the average of 12 and older combined, the whole thing was an increased risk, higher than the unvaccinated person in general. Okay. Then it says for uh, the the injection, the the, uh, Pfizer injection, that's the 1.75 and 6.57 for Moderna. So it's exponentially higher. Think about that. 6.57. So and a person injected with specifically Moderna in this case has a 6.57 times greater risk, or I think that's the right way to say that in any case, that compared to the unvaccinated. But simply put, the IRR for people that are injected is 6.57 compared to the, the zero, the one of the uninjected. You're, that's incredible. That's way. And the point goes back to the doctor pointing this out, that it's way higher, 28 times higher than the risk they're claiming from what they found post-COVID. That's the huge point there. What I'm showing you here is just a breakdown of how the risk is incredibly higher than they're telling you in a general sense. But when compared to after COVID, which is their whole point, it's that much higher anyway. Now it says among males, 16 to 24, so taking that specific group, not just 12 and older combined, but specifically 16 to 24, the IRRs were 531 after the second dose of Pfizer, and 13.83 for the second dose of Moderna. And numbers in excess events were 5.55 events per 100,000. And the second dose was 18.38 events per 100,000. Those are bad things happening. These numbers are so much incredibly higher than what they're pretending is happening. Aren't they trusting the science? Apparently not. As they yell at you completely different things that have no basis in these facts. The bottom line is, guys, a risk. It's a very serious risk, but the bottom line is a risk. There's a risk, especially to people that don't need this, who are at very low risk from what they're telling you is COVID. So why in the world are we forcing this on people? Why are we making this a block to jobs and entry to locations when you're literally putting people at increased risk? And then don't forget the discussion of myocarditis where you have a 26 to 55% potential increase in mortality within the next 10 years. If you get any of this, that's a big deal. That's why people say there's no such thing as a mild case of a heart problem. But the bottom line is results of this large cohort study indicated that both first and second doses of mRNA vaccines were associated with an increased risk of myocarditis and pericarditis. There is no reason that anybody legally speaking should be forced to take this. There, there, there needs to be legal accountability for stuff like this. And then we get into what's happening to children. I'm not even getting into the worst part about the, the idea of the collapsing athletes part or the child, the children all over the world. They're literally having heart attacks, which is just so gross to think about. But today we're focusing on, Oh, I forgot about this verse. We're focusing on this, this hepatitis discussion as well. But here's something that's going to gross you out. They are literally arguing right now. Very well health. There's no such thing as too many booster shots. You realize that even people around the world, like in the UK, other countries, other entire health organizations are saying that children shouldn't even have these things because of exactly what we're saying. And they call us fake news and their entire health organization, like a couple of countries over are saying the same thing. Are their entire Is their entire health organization fake news? I mean, how do you even rationalize stuff like that? But the bottom line is even the UK, even people in the United States, even people tied to directly the, the vaccination programs are saying that these things are, you shouldn't have too many of these. I think, that, I forget which group it was, I wish I remembered that right now, but they spoke up and they said, look, there's too many of these things are dangerous. There was a BMJ article about it where you're, you're hurt. You can't keep, keep giving these things. It's going to become a problem. Then you aren't even factoring in the fact that you're still giving them something that's based on something that's not even there anymore. You're producing antibodies for something that's not actually what's in existence. If that's even really what's happening. That's what they've admitted to you. This injection is still based on what they claim is the original isolate. We are 15, 20 variants away from that now. That's why they're not pretending they're going to make something for a new variant, which means they're making an entirely new inje- a new injection. So why are we still taking this thing if they have to make an entirely new thing to make it work? Because they just don't want you to realize what's happening still. They're, you're taking something that is being is creating antibodies that are not what you need, which is exactly what creates antibody-dependent enhancement, which they're trying to run from. They're trying to hide from you, despite the fact that they themselves have admitted this more than once. And I've shown you this many, many times, it's dangerous for you. And we should know that because it's happened before. There's another element to safety. And
0: that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. We know those signals from SARS-CoV-1. We've seen this in in cat coronavirus vaccines where
2: cats ended up with this horrible inflammation, swelling of the stomach and about 30% of the cats died. So we know once you prime somebody with an antibody and that antibody is good, great. But if you prime them with an antibody that is not good, sit back and pull out the popcorn because we're going to be seeing something horrific happening immunologically to a population down the road. They're trying to train the body's immune system to target the right part of the virus because getting it wrong can be dangerous.
0: We know that historically with coronaviruses that if you do vaccinate with the wrong kind of vaccine, for instance in domestic cats who have a similar viral infection, that you can make the disease more severe.
1: Isn't it just amazing how those things can all be out there? I mean, that is literally what we're saying and literally what we're getting censored for. I got to stop saying literally. We, we, it's happening in real time. We are being censored for saying stuff like this. That is, that is Dr. Ryan Cole, Dr. Fauci, and another doctor who's lit, working on making these injections. And he is telling you that if we give you something that produces the wrong antibodies, it's bad. It's dangerous. And then here they are telling you that this is still based on the original isolate yet we're at a point now where we are so far down that we need to make another injection for it. They are basically saying that's happening without openly saying it, Th- yet s- currently allowing you to take this thing, knowing that it's producing antibodies that's not even relevant to what's happening. I mean, it, it's, it's just, out- it's incredible that that's, it's that easy to see right in front of you. You guys know this stuff. It, it just blows me away. Now, here to the point. How can there possibly be not too many If that's what we're talking about, April 5th, oh, you know why? Because don't worry, it's been fact-checked by Nick Blackmer. That's how you know, right? He's a librarian, fact-checker, and researcher who is, you know, just susceptible to being brainwashed by everything else like anybody else is, right? So who fact check him? I think that's so stupid, right? Who's going to, so the fact-checker fact-checks the person to write it. The journalist is supposed to be the fact-checker, right? So they fact-check the journalist, but who fact checks the fact-checkers? Maybe they got the facts wrong. It's a meaningless dance that they do. When, by the way, they're wrong. I can tell you that right now. And it's because this guy goes, what did the CDC say? Oh, so they're right because the CDC said so. Experts say that there is no evidence that COVID vaccines can cause an immune exhaustion. Oh, really? There's no evidence? And this gets into a point that we were struggling over in the Discord community. Evidence is very clear. It's not proof. It's simply a data point. And the point that this gets frustrating for is that, look, there, there is such a thing as you can have falsified evidence, right? You can have data points that don't even add up to being what you think that they should be. Like the bottom line is evidence is a pretty, is a pretty fluid concept. It's just data points around a discussion that lead potentially sometimes to proof, right? So when they say there's no evidence, that's ridiculous to me. That's, that's, like, that's saying that there's no peer-reviewed studies that make that argument, even though there are. That's saying that there are no Pfizer studies that literally point to a negative efficacy, which there are. I mean, it's just incredible. That means either they're too stupid to see that there is data points out there that suggest that's happening, or they don't care. You can choose. Either way, I'll prove it to you next. An FDA panel met last week to discuss strategies for developing a variant-specific vaccine which would produce a more targeted immune response. See, they're just playing on the ignorance there. No, they're talking about making an immune response to something different. If they have to make something new, it's not that... What do you mean making it more targeted? I mean, it's like this is just ridiculous. It's not working. You're making things that don't actually affect what we're dealing with because as plenty of epidemiologists pointed out, this thing has changed, if that's, by the way, even what's actually happening, which again is a point we should argue because we don't know that. We just don't. Because even like we've said before, the original isolate they point to, as I've made clear many times, hasn't been shown to actually be what we're talking about. Very clearly, we haven't proven that this thing is actually present. As even the CDC of China pointed out that we didn't isolate it. And we don't forget, that's where Moderna got their original isolate from, the genetic code that was sent from China. And then it went into production, and everyone else did the same thing before it had even actually been isolated. And the question then becomes, did it then get isolated afterward? Well, first of all, it's irrelevant. Because if they simply just use the genetic code they got sent before they verifiably isolated, as the CDC of China has admitted to Western press, then it never really mattered whether or not it was because they just needed genetic code. So we don't know what we're dealing with. But on top of that, we have to remember that just because they didn't show you that it's been isolated, that doesn't necessarily mean that it hasn't been. Trust me, guys. I'm on the very clear side here that I believe that they have never proven this thing is there. But we have to acknowledge that they could have done it because it would maybe – this is my biggest point. I believe that if it was a bioweapon, let's say, that if you actually got down to the nitty gritty of it all, it would show that. Maybe that's one reason why they haven't. Now, the only reason I go into that discussion is because there's plenty of evidence that has been produced of experts and epidemiologists, the CDC, and plenty of others that say that that has happened. I disagree with what I'm looking at, but those are, dev- those are data points. It's evidence that's claiming that. My point, and people like Kauffman and plenty of others would argue that they didn't actually do or meet Koch's postulates. We talked about this plenty of times. My bottom line point here is that if we're still basing it on this broken logic and yet going to even another injection based on that or to something new based on like you're standing on on sand here, this is dangerous. And we must realize this by now, especially since they're still giving them people something right now that they've admitted in the past is not the right thing. I just, it blows my mind how all this is easy to see if you're just willing to stand back and look at everything and not just what they're telling you to look at. As it says, is it bad to have too many boosters? In an interview, Cavallari, their expert they're pointing at, suggested that receiving too many boosters could exhaust T-cells, which play a central role in fighting COVID, or immune system could come to tolerate the antigen instead of acting against it. Those are so very basic and logical things to say. I would argue it goes so much further than just exhausting T-cells, as people like Mercola and plenty of others have made abundantly clear with their research. But nonetheless, that is a valid point to make. That's, I think, a a very kind way to frame it because it's much bigger than that. But they're just go so far against it. Even that very clear statement that we all know is possible. It goes on, He, this their expert, they point that, goes on to say, there isn't a shred of evidence. It gets the same point. Playing on your ignorance, a, average person's ignorance of evidence versus proof to support these ideas. Well, of course there's evidence. There's plenty of evidence to suggest that it does it. And I've got, I've shown you the main one I've shown before. I think, the oh, the, I think there's one point at the bottom. No, that's the other article. So if there's not a shred of evidence, how do you explain things like this? And I, This is just the quick first thing that came up. It's where I first saw it, in fact, Ezra shared this. This is the the uh, link to the actual study right there. But all I really wanted to show you was this. And for some weird reason, the study now has this graph all g- like fuzzy and hard to read. Gee, I wonder why. But it says very clearly, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that after 90 days, you go to 76.5 negative efficacy. Now that is going from 55, this is relative risk reduction, by the way. So it's like 0.048 or whatever it actually translated to, which is crazy. It's like meaningless in my mind. After one day, between one and 30 days after the first injection of Pfizer, it goes down to 55 relative risk reduction, 30 days, 16 this is meaningless stuff. After 60, it's 9.8. But after 90 days, after three months—which don't forget the relevance of that three-month marker—they keep shoving down your throat. 76% negative efficacy. That is now. Here's what's important to understand: This is not the the injection failing. The injection does what it does. Your body goes in your body, and it creates the reaction. That's what you're seeing. That's why things are happening. Your body is failing. Your body is failing you. Your immune system is failing you when this happens. Moderna is the same thing, 39% negative efficacy. Now this was, the same thing was happening during Delta or during, yeah, during Delta and before. And don't forget as well that these injections have already verifiably shown by their own data to increase your risk of infection in general for the first week. So you basically have this really small window of actual, some kind of an effect. And even that effect is basically meaningless. And we're going to pretend like this is helping people. On the bottom line is this is the one point but really one of the only ones you truly need, especially since their next study actually confirmed this yet again. They acted like this was an anomaly and their next one showed the same thing, a different number, but still negative efficacy. There's no misunderstanding what you're seeing there. They're pretending like there's no shred of evidence. I would argue if that was the only thing that was there, that's not proof, but that's obviously evidence of that points in the direction of an immune problem. This person either doesn't know that or doesn't care or however you want to frame it. So, yes, there can be too many boosters, as plenty of experts, even on their side, are arguing right now. But, of course, the self-serving narratives they pump out through their smith Munt moderization Act-manipulated platforms are going to tell you exactly what they want you to hear. Now, going over to the next part of this, which is the hepatitis conversation. All these are, being, are directly tied right back to the injections. North Carolina becomes the second U.S. state to report unusual cases of hepatitis in kids. As it says, Bailey Pennington, a spokesperson for the state's Department of Health and Human Services, told STAT of the cases on an email on Thursday, saying the site the state is both conducting surveillance for other possible cases and working with its poison control center and epidemiologists to try to determine the cause of the illness. Now, I'm going to tell you right out of the gate, they're calling this fake news. There's no association with the vaccine. No, no, no. We already We already figured that out. But I'll show you why they say that. Despite the peer reviewed science that says, yes, there's obviously a connection. This is the kind of dynamic we get into, where the the, the media tells you you're too stupid to know what's going on, and you're totally wrong because the CDC says, but then we show you 15 peer-reviewed articles that say the exact opposite. So what's actually happening? Who's actually, quote, trusting the science? I say that jokingly because no one on this side is trusting anything. We're simply showing you the very things they claim they're pointing at to show you that they're not even telling you the truth about that. But intelligent people don't trust any of it. We come to our own conclusions. We show discernment, critical thinking. But any level of science, observational, peer-reviewed, or otherwise, brand controlled trial has a place, and you should consider it. They're pointing its narrative as we're pointing at science and yelling at us for not trusting the science. It's just pretty funny, actually, in a very macabre, dangerous way. Both North Carolina cases were in school-aged children. The development came as health authorities in the United States and most European countries on Thursday cautioned doctors to be on the lookout for young children suffering from signs of hepatitis and urging parents to make sure... Their children wash their hands well and often as investigations continue in cases of unexplained hepatitis in kids. Always wash your hands. I think that's very important just to be sanitary and take care of yourself. The affected children are mainly under the age of 10, with many younger than 5, which is very strange. We We all were previously healthy. Gee, I wonder what happened. Some have required liver transplants, including two in Alabama, eight in the United Kingdom, and one in Spain. To date, there have been no reports of deaths. It says the number of countries reporting these unusual cases of hepatitis continues to rise. Israel is studying a dozen children who had unexplained cases of hepatitis over the past four months, two requiring liver transplants. The UK, the US, Spain, Denmark, the Netherlands, and Ireland have all reported cases. To date, the number, the the largest number has been reported by the UK, which has now recorded 108 cases, 79 in England, 14 in Scotland, 15 in Wales, and Northern Ireland. Most of the cases have been diagnosed this year. Hmm. Though Alabama first noticed a cluster of five cases last November and notified the CDC. Weird, they didn't bring it up, which uh, with which it has been working to try to determine the cause of the illnesses. Alabama has since recorded four more cases. Interesting that all the way back then is when it was reported to them. But the CDC issued an advisory to other clinicians only just this Thursday. Not weird. Like if you have a concern and a valid enough amount of numbers, which it was. Why did you keep it quiet until it got too big to actually be able to not talk about? That's what the CDC does, guys. I'm convinced of that. There is no validity to what they're doing anymore. And if there ever was, they're captured agencies. They've proven that to us. They've gotten caught lying more times than I've ever seen that caught lying in one narrative. It's crazy to me. It doesn't mean there's not people in there that might think they're doing the right thing. The bottom line is they're, I mean, right, it's right in front of you. In last November, they've got a very clear issue that they didn't tell anybody about until finally it was all over the world. They go, okay, now we'll advise people to keep a lookout, urging them to consider testing children with signs of liver inflammation for adenoviruses, which seems to kind of feed into the narrative anyway. A variety of issues can cause hepatitis, including toxins, fungi, but the leading causes, the hepatitis viruses A, B, C, and D, and E have been ruled out in these children. Interesting. Okay, so toxins and fungi. What comes to your mind when you think about that right now? First of all, I think of the toxins were being injected in people, which they're arguing isn't the case. But what about the masks? What about the mask? Isn't that a valid concern for what might be happening here? Like, at least in part is what I'm saying. Like the the general increase of infection, which we know these are doing, than what most of them are wearing still, which are cloth masks. And on top of that, the injections, and on top of that, the shedding of spike proteins and things that are circulating all around right now. These are valid concerns. Finally, it says, of course, authorities have ruled out COVID vaccines as a source of the illness because we should trust them. None of the currently confirmed cases, which I find interesting. I find it interesting they say that because a lot of these up here, I, I wonder how many of them are confirmed and how many of them, they argue, aren't confirmed. This is a thought, but it says none of them are cur- of the currently confirmed cases in the UK. So that, that very quickly puts a, a shot that so all the other cases ha- it, uh, in the UK is known to have been vaccinated. Just in case that was confused, none of the currently confirmed cases in the UK is known to have been vaccinated. <laughs> but don't forget. Why did I put period in between it? Uh, in the in this case, where was it? I'm trying to find the right here. The UK, the US and Spain have reported cases saying to date, the largest number is reported by the UK, which is 108. So 108 of them. But remember, we have cases all around the world. What they're saying is of them, none of them currently of the confirmed cases of them, which I want to know how many they are, have been known to be vaccinated. Now, my point is that that is something that could be lied about, manipulated as always, which is always questioned on any side of any narrative. But the point nonetheless is that we know these things lead to increased infection, the mass and the way that they suppress immune systems and everything else. We also know that there's a lot of other things happening, that some of them could have been injected. How about the fact that some of them might have one injection, they don't deem them to be vaccinated, but maybe unvaccinated, which is the category shift that we keep seeing? There's a lot of things to consider here. But the bottom line is just from a different couple different angles. Occam's razor, right? All things considered equal, the simplest explanation tends to be the right one. Why do we what's changed? What has changed in this process? Well, what they've been doing to people is a huge, dramatic, all-encompassing change around the world. And it certainly correlates with this weird show. But could be something else, as always. But it's amazing to me that they're pretending there's not enough evidence. As James points out, why are all these children suddenly getting hepatitis? And why is the public being told they don't know what's causing it? Because I think they do know what's causing it. I agree. I think it's pretty clear that we know that something we're doing based on all the manipulations that are happening here, and what are, I do think there's a risk of this shedding, as even the experts have said, that is spreading. But of course, these are things people will shout down as fake news because they don't want to talk about it. But here's what I find so obviously concerning. They're not saying, well, we're looking into it because we're not sure. They're just going, fact check, no link whatsoever, period. Fake news. Reuters. Here's the health minister from UK going, nope, nope, not related. And we know because we know. Except this is considered evidence, is not? December 2021. It's mean, very recent, guys. This is December 2021. Autoimmune hepatitis after vaccination. New onset or flare up. The point being is that it's happening. This is unequivocal. Whether the, the, What they're debating here is whether or not it's the causing what might have been dormant to happen, which is still because of the injection or because it creates it. Recent reports of autoimmune diseases that develop after the vaccinations. This is a 61-year-old woman presented with malaise, fatigue, loss of appetite, nausea, yellow eyes. She had the Pfizer injection. Uh, this is a month later. Her physical examination revealed jaundice all over her body, especially in the uh, sclera. Forgot to look at what that was, which was the white outer layer of the eyeball. The laboratory tests showed elevated liver enzymes and uh, bilirubin levels. I'm not sure what those are. The liver biopsy revealed uh, histopathology, pathological findings consistent with autoimmune hepatitis, which seems to suggest that's consistent. That's a very good indication of exactly what you're dealing with when it, especially when it becomes correlated with other cases. The patient was diagnosed after that with specifically autoimmune hepatitis. And initiated on steroid therapy, which ultimately helped. A few cases of autoimmune hepatitis have been reported after COVID vaccination so far. Isn't it? Is this? Is this any? This is obviously evidence at the very least. An abnormal immune response and bystander activation induced by molecular mimicry. Look at that. Is considered a potential mechanism. Molecular mimicry, mimicry, pathogenic priming, auto auto, um, antibody dependent enhancement. These are very similar things that we've been talking about. That they deny and deny and deny? And here we are yet again finding exactly how they tie back to what they're trying to hide from you. An intensive vaccination against SARS-CoV-2 continues. We would like to emphasize that clinicians should be cautious and consider autoimmune uh, hepatitis in patients presenting with similar symptoms. What are they doing? None of that. In fact, they're shouting down anybody that suggests it might be happening because we can't talk about fake news, even though the peer-reviewed science says we should consider it. That's called not trusting the science, by the way. Autoimmune hepatitis after COVID-19. More than a coincidence on the peer-reviewed LA uh, ScienceDirect platform. But no evidence, though, right? There's no evidence at all. Here's another one. September 2021. Autoimmune hepatitis following COVID vaccination. Must be all fake news. Most of these vaccines have received approval without being intense, extensively wedded for their adverse effects and, and efficacy profiles. How much you want to bet that all of these people never get more funding because they're dare to point out the reality. Most of these vaccines have received approval without being extensively wedded for their adverse effects. Serious thromboembolic thrombo- events have also been reported. We report two such cases of autoimmune he- hepatitis triggered by COVID vaccination. Succumbed to the liver disease, one of them did. I, I mean, I could keep going, guys. It's incredible how many of these you will find. But we go on to the topic. The bottom line is to show you, as always, that there's plenty of evidence. And these self-serving fact checks are ridiculous. Because they don't care about the facts. They care about what the CDC says they're supposed to say. And many of them actually believe that's fact checking. Which is the kind of broken 1984 reality that we're finding ourselves in. But here's another example. This is a, This is a nurse speaking out saying too many patients coming in for abdominal pain. Only to be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer all of them injected. Now, maybe some of them are connected, maybe some of them aren't. But from a perspective of somebody who as a nurse sees this stuff, it becomes impossible to miss the correlation. And then when you find out there's obviously a connection to the increase of cancer, which by the way, I haven't talked about in a minute. Let's see. Shoot. Oh, it's right there. That's the first one that came up. Swiss policy research, code, vaccines and cancer. The point was, They're asking the question, can they cause cancer? In some cases, the answer appears to be yes. It says there is no evidence that the vaccines themselves are specifically carcinogenic. However, it has been shown that up to 50% of vaccinees, COVID vaccines can induce a temporary immune suppression or immune dysregulation. Oh, which by the way, also challenges the ridiculous narrative that this, uh, where was it? This, that these things, they say right here, no experts say, oh, which ones? (laughs) The choice you're choosing to pretend, oh, they said that, so they're not experts. That's how that works. Say there's no evidence that they do exactly what that just found. This study right here over the fact that the study they point to, which of course you can read for yourself, which does find exactly the same thing in the context of herpes zoster. But the point is about how it reduces your immune system to create these things to happen. And the point being that these things then lead to an increase in cancers. Read the study for yourself, but apparently no evidence though, because they're too stupid to find it, apparently here's another point. So here's the CDC coming into this, or rather Axios saying the CDC is saying 80% of child hospitalized during US Omicron surge unvaccinated. Now, don't forget the argument that I kept making about this one right here. i will just grab it real quick. Last one we discussed, I think it was this one before they stopped hiding this from you. That they were manipulating aggressively the under 18 category to lopsides in one way. And I made this very clear with the facts that they were putting out. Oh, of course, this is the wrong one. See this, they hid this from you. It's no longer there. It's crazy. I mean, I just can't they stay stated openly in these reports. We're gonna hide this from you going forward because paraphrasing, you're too dumb to know what you're looking at. Even though it's as clear as it's ever been. Oh, I was gonna say, geez, they'd remove it from the old ones? Okay, here it is. First of all, as I was pointing out before, don't forget that they the last report they showed you. People with three doses compared to none, every category, other than the manipulated under 18, is almost four times the increased risk of getting COVID-19. That's why they're not hiding it from you. There's no misunderstanding that. Oh, and don't forget, even over here in the death category, look at the risk of death for people 18 to like 49. Look at, I mean, go even further. Look at this, guys. People with three shots versus none. Look at the comparable death rates. You're telling me that people that have three injections of this thing that cause all sorts of other increased risks have a 0.1 to compared 0.2 risk? That's inconsequential. 0.6 to 0.7, all the way up to 49 years old? So you're telling me that people that get three shots have just a 0.1 difference of potential death than people that have none? And meanwhile, they'll have a four times increased risk of getting COVID in the first place, which could then lead to that potential risk? That's why they're hiding this from you. This is unequivocal. Now, my point to show you this was the fact that if you look at the risk of under 18, the numbers they're showing you are ridiculous. Look at this lopsided number. The people that are at the least risk of getting sick. And you're telling me, I forget the breakdown. I think it was something like 85% of the total unvaccinated category of cases were all in under 18. you're, You're being lied to. And then you go over here, same thing. Look at this number compared to the rest of it. You're telling me these kids, under 18s, represent an 80 plus percentage of hospitalizations and cases, yet when you go down to deaths, it's non-existent. How does that make sense? They're, they're getting sick to go to the hospital, but none of them are dying. And then when you go to the hospital, you find out that most of them aren't even actually there for COVID. They're there for other reasons, and they're being broken legs and being tested. Yes. So back to my point, when they're showing you things like this, oh, look at that. 87% of the children hospitalized were because of they were unvaccinated. Doesn't that prove our point? Well, maybe, but let's find out the context. What do you say, guys? Here's their study. This is what they're pointing at. Look at what it says. First of all, they're talking about COVID-19 associated hospitalization. Well, that's, that, first of all, that muddies the water quite a bit, doesn't it? Especially when you have all these other reports like uh, this one. It discusses uh, the child hospitalization numbers and how they're very fl- inflated and li- lied about. Inflated by at least forty percent. That's this is this is the this was the first one. There's two now, two now articles that come out saying child hospitalization numbers have been grossly overstated. But they don't care; they just keep selling you on the night the lie. But here's the main point: look at what it says right here under the reasons why this might not be exact. <laughs> it says analyses based on vaccination status are biased toward the null because partially vaccinated children were grouped with unvaccinated children. We'll look at that. So that means literally anybody who has not all the way up to three doses, two doses, or even three doses in 14 in 13 days get kicked back into unvaccinated category. People that were partially, which is anybody, anybody who has three, but not, not all the way to 14 days after it are considered un or not fully injected. We've already proven this to you. So you're telling me that the only people that are considered unvaccinated are children who have not gotten anything, or, uh, or excuse me, the only people that are considered injected are the people that have gotten every injection plus 14 days after that. That is almost everybody that is unvaccinated, That most of the meaning that are injected. Look, whether or not you agree with that, and despite that being verifiable, how do you pretend that that's a, a honest way to present it? You're combining kids that have lots of injections in their body with people that haven't because they didn't meet this arbitrary metric you set. Bottom line is, when you get this number, that means that the vast majority of the 87% are people that have injections in their body. And then you've got kids going into the hospital with or without them, getting a broken leg, whatever else, having another illness, and then getting tested with a PCR test with a high false positive rate and being told you have COVID, never getting sick with COVID, leaving with their own accord, and that goes down to the child hospitalization. That's exactly what Newsweek was telling you right here. But they keep doing it. Axios, CNN, it just keeps going. We debunk it and it comes right back the next day because it's a never-ending cycle. The last point, it says, fourth, the primary reason for admission, this is what I was saying, was not always clear. And medical charts might not completely capture underlying conditions potentially resulting in misclassification, meaning the primary reason they went in, such as a broken leg, is not considered. Or not always, anyway. And we know, which pretty much means never, because that's what we keep finding out. They go in for something else, they get tested, they leave, and that goes down as hospitals. It's right in front of you. This is so incredibly dishonest. Now, with all that we just discussed, and plus everything else, the mountain of evidence we've already discussed before, here's what's happening in plenty of states. This is Rhode Island. You might have heard about this already. This is just the main page. Immunization against COVID-19. Every person of at least 16 years of age is eligible for immunization who resides in the state of Rhode Island or pays personal income tax shall be required to be immunized with COVID-19. This is legal, doc. this is laws being potentially passed in Rhode Island, but all around the country. Saying you literally have to do this now, despite all the facts and evidence that, I mean, even this, even if you pretend that it's the best thing since sliced bread, that you're forcing people to take something which guaranteed will cause death, myocarditis, in some people. They even admit that. How can you force someone to roll that dice? I don't care if it's one in a million. You have to acknowledge that risk. They don't care. What are you going to do for the kid that gets myocarditis and can never play sports again or possibly dies because of the increased risk you're giving them? Here's what it says at the bottom. This is incredible by the way. Not only are they saying that they have to do it, here's what it says. Any person who violates this chapter shall be required to pay a monthly civil penalty of $50 and shall owe twice the amount of personal income tax as would otherwise be assessed pursuant to this chapter. They're doubling your income tax if you don't forcibly if you don't give in to being forced to take a, a genetically altering experimental unapproved Injection. Because don't forget, they still have never released the of officially approved version. You're still taking things that are emergency authorized when we're never been and are not an emergency. All employers must require proof of compliance with this chapter. So now, again, you're forcing employers to do it. For any employee employed in in person work, any employer found to be knowingly violating this will then also, uh, for more than seven days, required to pay a monthly civil penalty of $5,000. This is extortion. And I mean, there's so many words you could add to this. This is a crime, guys. This is a crime against humanity. Now, talking about the masks, and I do think we're going to leave it there and not jump into Ukraine stuff today. For those that might be waiting for that, I apologize. We're going to get to that later. There's a lot to get into, but this stuff is more pressing, in my opinion, right now. The CDC asks the DOJ to appeal the Florida judge's ruling that it ended mass mandates. I told you, I knew this was going to happen. Now, think about how ridiculous it is where we have the CDC petitioning the Department of Justice to appeal a ruling by a, by a judge. Like, I mean, this is just an overreach in every possible way. Now, you know, I don't care whether you think they should or they think they have the right or because they think they're doing the right thing. The bottom line is this is the way the system was supposed to work, where the judge is supposed to be able to have a check on the power of these people. He ruled, and that should be the end of it. Now, you can challenge this in a court of law, which they're going to try to do, but even think about how ridiculous that becomes. So, okay, so the judge rules, it shouldn't happen. Then another judge rules that it should, right? And then they point at theirs, they point at theirs, and we, oh, and my judge is better than yours. And it just, it it all comes back to politics. This is what happens when you allow this stuff to completely take over what's happening. I knew this would happen. They're going to then point to them. They're going to keep trying until they get what they want. And the point is, even if it keeps going further than that, they'll just point back to the one that they got. The bottom line is it should be your choice. And I can't believe what they're trying to do is overturn a judge judge that ruled in favor of choice. Not that somebody has to do anything. Not that they shouldn't ever, Like that they're now being forced to not wear their masks. They're just saying you get a choice. And they're going, no, you can't do that. You can't allow these people to have freedom. It's just, it's that crazy. I don't care if you think that freedom then leads to your being at risk. You know what? There's risk in life. Get used to it. Now, if, if you believe that that risk was something more than just walking out your front door, you're wrong because there's been peer-reviewed studies that have already proven that. That generally speaking, your risk from this is no more than you stepping out your front door today and getting hit by a car or tripping over something and breaking your neck. It's there. That's risk. It's called life. That's That was a peer-reviewed study, by the way. The Justice Department said it will appeal a federal judge's decision against the mass mandate for public transportation. If the CDC comes to this, the decision during an ongoing review, that the mandate is still needed to protect public health. Meaning if they decide that you're all wrong and that your democracy is wrong and and whatever else you want to pretend, you know, that the process they so glowingly talk about is suddenly wrong and we don't like what they find, well, then we'll just press to change it because democracy, right? So we need to censor you for democracy. We got to stop your free thoughts for democracy. Your free speech is dangerous because democracy. We have to stop what they're doing over there because democracy. Oh, and then by the way, we can't allow you to actually have democracy because it goes against what we think, but that's democracy too. It's that stupid. Fauci, judges' decision to strike down travel mask mandate could set disturbing precedent. Oh, you mean an actual process of accountability? It doesn't matter whether you disagree with it, guys. That's what I'm trying to say. Judges rule the way they think they should. And yes, that always includes politics and partisanship. It always does. But the bottom line is, this is no different than any other precedent. It's not a disturbing precedent. It's just another judge, uh, rather judicial precedent. And what they're trying to make it out to be is that they ruled the wrong way. That's not even a possible thing, guys. That it ruled the way it ruled based on the process that we all pretend is dem- a democracy and checks and balances. And it's just so childishly obvious. So they're like, oh, we don't, we didn't like that, so we're going to pretend like that's bad, not just incorrect and that we disagree politically, but that it's dangerous and disturbing because it's a Trump judge, right? That's what they're, that's what they're playing into. I mean, and it's just subjective. And it all comes down to whether, if, if it all comes down to whether it's Trump's judge, so we don't like it, so we don't go along with it, then everything means nothing. The whole process is meaningless. If it only matters when you get what you want and your judge says what you like, it's team politics. It's ridiculous. Here he is saying this. I believe I downloaded it. Let me play it for you real quick.
0: Surprised and disappointed because those types of things really are the purview of the CDC. This is a public health issue. And for a court to come in, and if you look at the rationale for that, it really is not particularly firm. And we are concerned about
1: that, about courts getting involved in things that are Unequivocally, public health decisions. I mean, this Uh, this is setting the groundwork for what they want to be the reality: the biosecurity state, where you don't get a choice, right? The the WHO, UN, pandemic treaty, where they then get to dictate, legally speaking, what you're allowed to do when it comes to health, which then will become ever all the time, forever, just like it is right now. COVID never went away. There's always this air of like the variants and the, the new flu and the, the new thing. And it's, it, the point is it will never – for it's for them, this is a bigger goldmine than the war on terror, which was also ubiquitous and never-ending. It's still there because that's always the point, guys. They just want this forever thing to point at and lock you down whenever they want based on whatever thing they say is there. It's always there, even if you think it's real, even if it is real. It's, it's a control mechanism. His point is to say that we can't allow that. So what he's fundamentally saying is that these courts who have the legal right to rule on whether your your rights are being violated and a legal situation is now not allowed because it should be the CDC that decides because it's health, because everything will eventually become centered around health because it already is right now. So a health organization is more powerful than the legal system. Do you not see how alarming that is? The, the That's the danger, dangerous precedent. Everything they're doing today is projection, it seems. Everything. They are setting a dangerous precedent by pretending that the health organizations have the right to supersede the court. Because the, the whole point is a judge, a, a federal judge, their only job is to uphold the Constitution, guys, to uphold the Constitution. And when these things come in, when these dangerous technocrats and biosecurity statists come out and force in what they want based on what they tell you is happening, and the courts come in and say well, that's against the rules. You're breaking, you're violating their rights. That's where it should end. The fact that they can even step into the media and use the media apparatus to kind of start tipping the scales shows you how broken everything is. I'm not even saying you have to agree with what they rule, but that should be the end of it. Now, continue through the court process if you want to play that game, and they always do, and they're doing that too. But they're hoping they can just shift public opinion to the degree where we just trust what the CDC says. Isn't that what I keep telling you? They all keep telling you is the way to go?
0: This is a CDC issue. It should should not have been a court issue.
1: So we're hoping... That the inevitable increase
0: in cases which we're seeing are not going to be associated with an increase in hospitalizations. So all of these dynamic things going on at the same time, it was perfectly logical for the CDC to say, wait a minute, we were planning on
1: ending this mandate on a certain date. Right right there. Right there. You're a criminal. You do not have the legal power to mandate anything like this on, on individuals and their personal health choices. You don't have the legal right to do the before despite people like the disgusting uh Dershowitz coming out and arguing on top of it that well we, we have every right to force vaccines no you don't this is simple basic fundamental constitutional and human legal rights international and national you do not have the right this goes back to the, the to the uh um, all of a sudden blanking on it the you know the classic uh son of a gun after World War II. You know, it goes back to these classic, tri- the, 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 the the hearings and, the, and the, the discussions about whether or not you can force vaccinations, testing. It's exactly what's happened throughout history. Yet here we are yet again, weirdly embodying everything we pretend we were fighting like we do everywhere else or they do the government. It's constant. Now, going forward. As Lauren Bobet points out, or if she's running for Congress, I'm not in any way supporting her politically or anything else. I don't even know what else she says or what she represents. The point is what she stated right here, I agree with. Can anyone point to the part of the Constitution that gives the CDC authority over our lives? I didn't think so. That's all that should matter. They are breaking the foundational concept of what this country represents because they don't believe in it. And I could argue that none of, none of them do, including her, and they've never really ever have. It's a means to an end. It's about how we choose to understand. Like the, the bottom line is, as I keep pointing out, if we recognize we are not the minority, in fact, the majority, this could change very quickly. That's why they're trying desperately to keep us divided. So if they're violating the Constitution and want to judge rules, then they are authoritarians. Philly rescinds the COVID-19 indoor face mask requirement, but still strongly recommends they be worn. Now, there you go. That's how an honest organization should operate. Right? You don't have to do this because it's your choice as a human being with freedom. But we recommend you do because we think it's in your best interest. So you can have the right to look into what they say is happening, the data they present with that argument, and you can decide for yourself. I would even be as willing to argue, guys, that if they hadn't forced this in the very beginning, that most people would have just done it without knowing it's dangerous. Like, I'll be quite honest. I didn't know the real danger in these until I decided to really dive into the data, the peer-reviewed science from long before we got here, to find out, well, look at that. They've been finding a lot of interesting things about these for a long time, and and that's when you start diving into the real background about the microplastics and what the increased risk of infection, which is what they found in the only peer reviewed study about cloth masks long before we got here. It was 2015. My point is that if I hadn't, if they hadn't, you know, triggered my alarm by going, "You have to do this," I might have even done it without even realizing it until somebody smart out there that knew it was going to check this out, and I would have quickly done it. All. You know, my point is that. Their ability to put, they created a situation where they almost divided us in and of our, like they created a situation where we divided within ourselves. I think that's the whole point. Or maybe they press their hand too hard. I don't ultimately know, but this is how it should be played out. Where they say, here's what we think, come to your own conclusions. Just like we say, right? That's, they desperately, like think about how desperate they are with the possibility of you just making your own choices. Doesn't that show you everything you need to see? Nuremberg trials. Thank you. Okay, Philadelphia is now being sued over the new mask mandate. I believe this was before, oh, I think I had these out of order. This was, uh, yeah, April 22nd. Right, so they were being sued and ultimately then rescinded it, which again makes my same point. It makes me, some groups out there at the very least, not willing to put their entire everything on the line to push in this agenda. Los Angeles County reinstates the mask mandate. Now ask yourself how that's even possible, right? Public health is issuing health official order. That's how. This is the beginnings of what Fauci's pointing at. You are having public health local officials supersede the ruling of a federal court. By the way, they can't do that. A note that masking in public transit within LA County is a lot. So hopefully somebody who has who cares about the legal processes from a high level will make a big deal about this and make sure that they publicly have to walk it back. Probably won't happen. It's This is the kind of mandates and orders they do that aren't legally binding, but they force on everybody. It's incredible, isn't it? But this is political. This is 100% political. Quebec announces the extension of their mask mandate. This will be the third time the Quebec government has announced an end to the mask mandate and the second extension of the removal date. They want you to think it's going to go away and they just keep it going and keep it going. This is the carrot on the stick. One of the versions of that, by the way, you know, one of them is hitting you with the stick or giving you the carrot. One of them is basically dangling the the carrot in front of you, right? So you keep going. At the the end of the day, you're never going to get it. That's what this looks like. Now, here's Time Magazine two days ago coming out and literally challenging their entire narrative thus far in order to sell you on where they currently are, which just shows you how ridiculous these people are. People, the the title, How Wearing a Mask Can Help Protect You Even If No One Else Wears One. Wait a minute. Isn't that the exact opposite of everything they've been selling you on? Yes, it is. But who cares? Because it's only about selling you on the narrative that's in front of them right now. People at high risk for severe COVID-19, including those who are immunocompromised or have chronic conditions, may want to keep wearing a high-quality mask, even when doing so isn't recommended for everyone in their area under CDC guidance. But is one-way masking or wearing a mask, even when no one else around you does, really enough to protect you from getting COVID-19. By the way, guys, that's so, this is Time Magazine. And I'm going to show you right next from, from science, as well as from the makers of these masks, that this is just verbatim, or I shouldn't say that like that. This is fundamentally counter to what they say the reality is right now. There's no such thing as one-way masking. Okay, these things on in both levels are not designed to do that. On on the on the medical cloth, that's literally not even what they're made for. And that's what they'll tell you in their own scientific studies, as well as plenty of doctors were honest enough to admit to you they're about stopping spittle and blood flying out from your mouth or whatever else, and catching just the the direct contamination of an open wound, not bacteria, germs, or any of that stuff. That's never what they were made for. There's not even any regulation about how they're supposed to be made. So why would we pretend that? But then the N95 discussion is made to be one way. So the idea that one way masking is even a factor in this is a blatant lie or they're too stupid or too caught up in the propaganda to know that they don't know what they're talking about. I'll show you next. A mask is meant to work in two different ways, they say, by containing the wearer's germs, fake news, and filtering out other people's germs, fake news. 100% easily verifiable. They're not even capable of doing that. If two people are wearing masks that trap some of the particles they exhale, there will likely be fewer germs floating around the air. Well, if they're floating around the air, that mask is incapable of stopping them. And both people will have a lower chance of getting sick. And by the way, this is their ridiculous argument of like viral load, which they fundamentally don't understand. It is not about what, what amount you get through the mask. That's not what it's about. I've gone over that in depth before, but I think they probably even know that. They just keep going with these narratives because that's how they sell you. Quote, one of the key things you want to do in infection control is block the source, says Kimberly Pather. Okay, here, what are they, what are they missing here? Oh, that's right. Whether or not you're sick. Okay, so if you're talking about a source of infection, you're either broadly assuming that literally everybody is infected at all the time, which is what they're building you into right now, biosecurity state, you're all sick until proven not sick, we know we're already there, or you're just pretending that it's important to block people who are sick and omitting the fact that what you're actually doing is masking everybody all the time. You see what I'm saying? Kimberly Pather, an aerosol expert. Oh, I thought it was only about droplets. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was right about that too. Aerosolized particulates. And the chair of um, atmospheric chemistry at the University of California says, never let it in the air in the first place. If one person is unmasked and freely exhaling germs, the burden of protection is all on the other person's mask. God, this is just so ignorant. While cloth and surgical masks provide some defense in this scenario, no, they do not. Respirators such as N95s and KN95s are designed to filter out almost all particles. Yeah, that's right. Only 0.3 and above, which coronavirus is below. It's like they even make the point in the article. I'll show you right next. Making them the best and most protective options for one-way masking. A modeling study published in the journal PNAS in December 2021 estimated a masked person's likelihood of getting sick after talking with an unmasked person who has COVID 19. First of all, it's an s a modeling study where they estimate. I mean, that's not even worth your time. It's important in some way. Oh, I you know I'm, I, that's you know I should have said that right in the beginning. I apologize for that, guys. By the way, just a quick deviation to someone in the chat. I did blast this on my social media. And, I, and I, I it is in my list today, and I just decided I wasn't going to get to the Ukraine stuff. But the very first thing in my Ukraine stuff was to let you guys know that Gonzalo is alive and is okay. But my point to get into that was that there's a lot around in the story that's really kind of up in the air and confusing, and we should be skeptical about everything. But I'm sorry that I let, left that up in the air because I, I was very concerned until I found out that he was okay. The long story short is that he was picked up by the SBU. He is being held at least that's what he's telling us, was picked up by the SBU and is being held in Kharkov and not allowed to leave. One thing Vanessa told me is apparently what they tend to do is keep these people as assets, right? Manipulate what they're allowed to put out. Maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. I'm going to follow up on that. It's not going to be today because of how long this has run, but tomorrow we can get into it. But it has been essentially resolved for the moment. So I apologize for not getting into that. You know, at the very least, it seems interesting the way this went down, right? I mean, we should consider all possibilities. That's all we wanted was the truth. Now, I'll come back to that in another show. Basically, it's saying a modeling study and estimation. I mean, it just, it's not even almost worth your time when it's that abstract, unless it's just adding to a larger body of evidence. This isn't. It says someone wearing a surgical mask. This is, by the way, my first point, modeling and estimation. So it's really not sound. But the point is, that's how they, they manipulate those ones. That's why they're very hard to trust. But even their study they're using to show you this, here's what they say. Someone wearing a surgical mask, not a cloth mask, a surgical mask had up to a 90% chance of getting sick after half an hour, five feet apart from somebody. I don't even believe that, but that's what they're saying. And they're making everybody, they've, they've swore up and down that these things were the best thing you had to wear for two and a half years until they shifted into N95s, which still don't even do what they say they do. chance? I I can't even believe they would have the nerve to say that after they've literally arrested people. Destroyed people's lives for not wearing this thing. 90% chance of getting sick anyway. While someone in a respirator had around a 20% chance after a full hour. If both the sick person and their companion were respirators, the infection risk dropped to 0.4. Okay. Now let's get into why this is all garbage. First of all, here is the... Peer reviewed study from October, December 2020, N95 respirator and surgical mask in the pandemic of COVID 19. Surgical masks are loose fitting personal protective equipment which cover the nose and mouth. Hear this very clearly. They are designed for one way protection, and contrary to the belief, masks are not designed to protect the wearer. Now, yes, in the beginning, they try to play this game. It's about protecting your grandma. But then they switch it around. They're kind of like, well, no. I mean, all these people today using their masks in defiance of what's happening, even though it's not what's happening, are pretending it's protecting them. It's not. It's never been designed for that. But let's keep lying to ourselves like children. Keep wearing your safety blanket. Respirators are tight-fitting masks designed to create a facial seal and are available in three forms. Now, you know, like full face and so on. The respirators, The respirators are designed to protect the wearer. Of course, when properly worn, when most of them don't know how to do that. And even, like, even in, in businesses, they're, they have classes that teach them how to wear it. We're going to pretend like the Karen over there knows how to do it, right? Up to the safety rating of the mask. They're designed to protect the wearer. So now in a world where you're telling only people to wear N95s and pretending like that's going to protect other people is a blatant lie. The closest European equivalent to N95 uh, is this other version of it, which are rated at 94% compared to 95%. And what are they referencing? You've already seen this. The percentage of what they're able to filter. I've shown you this directly from their, own, from the Honeywell mask, and this is N95's Explained. Also, don't miss, just to make sure you understand that is what they're referencing, that they literally reference that exact article in this peer-reviewed study that I get shouted down for in Western corporate media for being a conspiracy theorist. Just realize how silly that is. That's what they're citing as evidence that, that this is correct. I pointed the Honeywell article and have that this specific site has been pointed at as Mina understanding what I'm talking about. I just love how this works out. And it's just, I've never been more certain about some of these things. And it's just incredible to watch how this continues forward. But here's what it says it means it removes 95%. That's not even all of them, by the way, but 95% of plus 0.3 plus micron particles. And the point is always, is that this is the breakdown? And by this graph, I show it because I find it to be accurate and broad. But you can look at the peer review studies for yourself, and most of them show the particle size of COVID 19 specifically from about under 0.1 to like 0.3. This one goes all the way up to 0.1 to 0.5. The, the point, nonetheless, is that the majority of even that range is under the ability to be stopped by even the N95s. And it just can't be more clear than that. And guess where this data comes from? Oh, uh, oh, shoot. That's right. It doesn't list it on the graph. This is from the World Economic Forum. Dang it. Anyway, that doesn't even matter. Just disregard that point. But it does come from the sources we're talking about, but it doesn't say it on there, so I'm not going to throw it out there. You guys can look it up. But it comes directly from their website. That's what I, That's what I love about it. Going back to the peer-reviewed study, it says... Yeah, right here. So right here. So it says the problem with valved N95 respirators, which is what most everybody's using, because that's the ones you buy at the store, not the big full face ones and so on, is that they do not filter the wearer's exhalation. Only the inhale. So that means you're breathing in and it's blocking 95% of 0.3 and above, which is not COVID-19. So you're at complete risk, but you're blowing out stuff too, without any filtration at all, as if it would stop it anyway. This is an illusion, guys. It is for this reason that hospitals and other medical practices do not use valve respirators. Right. So Even in the hospitals, they're not doing that. But you, I mean, just think about how ridiculous this is that we're at a point now where they're pushing this in any way. Masks ending in 95 have a 95 efficacy in removing 0.3 particles, micron particles. Masks ending in 99 have 99% efficacy. Okay, they don't, uh, Nobody's wearing these. Everybody's wearing N95s or below. Most are wearing cloth masks, which have zero efficacy in regard to statistically significant reduction of transmission. Yet here we are. Here's Time Magazine just literally lying on its face to you, claiming it's one-way masking. It's about wearing it, so you stop then. If they wear theirs, it stops that one. No, it doesn't. It's directly from the peer-reviewed science, directly from the site itself, telling you that it doesn't even have the ability to stop the particle site you're discussing. But just keep yelling because... I'm wrong when we're fake news, because that's all you got to do. They don't want to admit it. And to get into a little bit of a jokey part of this, guys, as the Babylon Bee points out, progressive Christians waiting until marriage to remove each other's masks. That's <laughs> just so funny to me. It's just so weird and gross. I swear, this is actually happening to some degree, where people are literally doing that. Not that they're waiting till marriage or whatever else, but they're not. It's just weird. This is broken people's brains. Here is five times Alex pointing out, and this is exactly what's happening now. This is the next chapter for the mass narrative. Two years of relentless shaming and blaming any and any, any, everyone who's not willing to wear it. Now watch the bullies become the victims as they quote, bravely continue wearing theirs when no longer required. Now, now it will be about choice, right? Before your choice was putting everyone at risk. Now it's like, how dare you, you can't, like, so taking away our choice. Now, when we aren't doing that, and now you're giving choice to everybody, they're going to act like we're taking their choice away to to be forced to wear it. As it says, you're entitled to make choices about your own body. It's funny how they can say that now, but not when it's our choice, right? Self-serving arguments. It's ridiculous. And here's what we're seeing. Here's Dr. Emily Ricotta, who knows if she's actually a doctor, in defiance, in defiance of the mask mandate removal. Okay, the the removal that doesn't force you to do or not do anything. So there's no defiance to be had. You're, in fact, I don't even know what you would call that. Feel free to wear a mask or wear 15. No one's stopping you. I'm double masked and bringing some sass to the airport this morning with her chain connected around her neck with her mask, which is pretty gross when you think about it, which means she's not changing it out throughout the day, which means she's only increasing her risk of infection. But, you know, this epidemiologist knows that, of course, because she's smart, right? Or at least claims to be an epidemiologist. Trust me, I'm an epidemiologist. Now, here's what's funny, by the way. <clears throat> Slow News Day pointed this out. This was her tweet. That's why it's on the way back machine. Here. She deleted it. That's interesting, isn't it? In defiance of this, and I'm standing up for, you uh, know, I delete it. As Slow News pointed out, you effing dolt. You're not in defiance of anything. Just you can see it right here, this is it's gone. The tweet is no longer there. It's been deleted. I said, hmm, maybe it may be a little mean to poke fun, but I said, I don't understand. Do you do you no longer stand by your original post? Maybe because you got ratioed by your own community, because that's what happened. And that does not align with your broken and distorted worldview that you have been programmed to force on others asking for a friend. guys. this was her tweet. Right In defiance of mass mandates. And her own community wasn't even enough. You, you can't see it now because they removed it. But she got aggressively ratioed. People are not buying this. These are fringe people in this community that think they're part of a majority because they blindly trust the mainstream media. Most people, even liberals, conservatives, whatever, they aren't going along with this. That's why you can see that most people on planes and trains, they're happy to not wear it. I keep seeing posts about five percent of people on the plane are wearing it. They're not doing it because most of them did never want to. They were lying to you about the majority that they pretended they were a part of. But these people bought into it. So she comes out thinking she's going to get approved, and and you know, good for you, you social justice, sir, virtue signaling. You're good. You're a good person. Pat on the head. But that's not what happened. She got laughed at. People said you're ridiculous. What are you doing? And she deleted it, which shows you an absolute ridiculous reality of how they're not even going to stand by their own statement if they're not getting paraded with praise from their circles, which shows you that it's not about anything other than putting out into the world that I'm a good person. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but tell me. Uh, Still a news day did have actually a funny retort to this that I'll add. I think, let me see real quick. If I can find it real quick. Maybe not tweeting more than. Uh... <laughs> Dang it. Oh, well, he had a funny follow up to it, basically said, oh, right here. Perfect. Couldn't help but notice that she deleted her tweet yesterday about defiantly defying nothing. <laughs> Hope someone gave her a cookie in the shape of a participation trophy. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's it's you know, it's it's unfortunate. But here's here's another one. Wearing my mask no matter what non-scientists tell me I can do. I'm uh, pretty sure nobody's telling you you can or can't do anything. I don't know how you possibly don't understand that. This is because they've been warped into some weird understanding of what's going on, guys. This person says funny thing is Valerie, there are scientists on both sides saying different stuff. So what I think you meant was that you will follow the quote scientists you want to follow. Have a great day. Good thing as an American that you that's your right. Have a great day. Exactly. This is the point. She only thinks that they're not scientists because she doesn't agree with what they're saying. So now it's not even about science. It's about what she's decided the science is. That's why, like when, when they, they, her actual people said, no, you can take it off now. They were like, no, I'm not. Okay. Well, so then you're not trusting the science, even though that's not actually what's happening, right? It's just about their fear and their control and their virtue signaling, their politics. It's alarming. This is brainwashing guys. This is alarming. This is what it actually is. (laughs) <laughs> I guess it cracks me up. Somebody should make a meme of that. I don't know how you make a meme of that really, but you know, this guy over here, that's the government laughing it up. I can't believe these morons are over here just repeating what I'm saying. Well, let's all repeat it. I'll come right back. Oh, we we like it too. Where are your masks? That's what they're doing. And it's just, and they're laughing it up. I can't believe these idiots are doing what we're telling them to do. So to kind of wrap this up here, guys, I think we, I'm going to try to get this done. It's two and a half. This isn't going away. We need to see this by now to shift right into a serious point. We need to see where this is going. This is only going to come back when they just decide to do it. Whenever that's gonna be. Omicron subvariant gaining traction. They keep saying this. I mean it's every other day. They're like, oh, the 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 what do they call it? The silent or the the what was the word they used? something that was for thing. I don't all of a sudden, like the, the, the BN, the BAN2 or whatever the new one was, the silent variant or the silent Omicron, I forget the term they were using now, but they just keep kind of floating this out. Gaining traction. What does it even mean? What's actually happening? Are we getting more cases? What's in the context? How is it, what is it compared to what we had before? Are you just getting like a couple of cases? And that just means gaining traction. Like what is the context? It's just about keeping it in your mind. Fox and CNN Scared, 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 variants coming back. Oh no, you know, that, that's all it is. And by the way, this actually worries me a hell of a lot more than the subvariant conversation. State confirms deadly case of rare tick-borne illness because this is concerning because the Plum Island conversation or specifically the Lyme disease conversation. Let me see if I can get this to come up. Should have grabbed it earlier. It's a bioweapon. Good. This is something you should all watch. True Street Media had put this out a while ago. This is the officially ignored link between Lyme disease and Plum Island. Please take a time mo- moment to watch this for yourself. This is undeniable, guys. The reality of what happened to Plum Island, they this is the BSL kind of lab. They're working on making weaponizing ticks. This isn't this was an open program. The point is they got away from them. That's what they don't want you to know. Plum Island literally has. Uh, signs out front of the of the actual island here. Let me see if I like, show them to you. There's like big signs out front of the island that say like, do not come in, you know, danger, ticks. I, it's, I, I probably miss it in there somewhere. Oh, right there. Yep, right there. Look at that. Ticks live and grass and those are, I mean, there's ticks all over the place. You don't see signs like that. Just it, That is a big deal because this place, if you talk to people who live around here, you do not go in there. This, these, And then, by the way, the point is that Lyme disease was almost like, it went undiagnosed forever. Even to this day, people have an incredibly hard time like diagnosing Lyme disease. It's because it's not what you think it is. This is a bioweapon, and this has been admitted by plenty of people. Now, don't just take my word for it. This is a side point anyway. But my point is, if you want to look into this, here's a great video to start with. These people have been playing with things like this and weaponizing ticks and weaponizing mosquitoes and weaponizing things like this for a long time. So when you see these things being floated out right now in in the midst of this COVID 19 conversation, it just really concerns me that this is either what will come next or what they'll frame it as. Just something to be concerned about, not to fear monger, but just to keep an eye out. Because I all weirdly see a lot of tick stuff coming up on social media, and it makes me nervous. But doesn't mean we should assume it's going to happen. We should be discernment, right? Critical facts is what we go on. But I believe strongly that they'll bring this back when they choose to. I think that was, you know, here's the, since, since I said that at the end, here's the video, by the way, I'll, I'll include this just since that I'll put it at the very top for people that want to see it. This is the Duran who has Gonzo Lira on live on the show and just discusses what happened. And I told you basically the reality that he got taken by the SBU, he claims, and that they held him and that he ended up, I, I wasn't very clear on whether or not that other Twitter account was actually him or not. And it's now been deleted. So it's very strange, right? There's an inherent skepticism for me right now with the way this ended up. Not just because he's alive, but because of the stories and everything else. Honestly, my biggest concern is that this person is being manipulated by the SBU, right? But as everyone goes out of their way to try to attack his character and you you have a right to consider, think what you want about his past work. Like, I just find it to be irrelevant in the context of whether or not this happened. You can decide for yourself that you think he's this kind of person or that kind of person. And that should have a factor in the conversation. But at the end of the day, it just needs to be about what we can prove, right? So until we can prove one way or the other, what we can now prove is that he went away for a minute, and now he's back. And thank God he didn't get killed. That's that's all I was worried about. I don't know I I get concerned that if it, you know, if we want to consider the fact that this is a person out there fighting for you because that's what I believe that that's what I believe has been happening, the truth, whether or not he's got an agenda of his own, is gonna potentially be put to death. That's a very big and real thing while we're watching other journalists get put to death in this country, right? So it's concerning but that doesn't mean we can't be skeptical now, right? It's not all one or the other, right? This is what happens when people break their minds with the two-party paradigm. It's all or nothing. It's either we're flying in fake news and psyops or we're absolute on one certain narrative. It's not that simple, guys. Sometimes people can just get caught up in something that they don't think is something and it turns out to be something else. I mean, that's just the way of the world. I just wish we could all get past the binary thinking that the two-party paradigm creates, but I will jump into this in the next show. And there's, a, there's a few other important things we will get into here in regarding, you know, just what's going on in Ukraine in general, but we'll leave it there. This stuff is happening. It's all coming out right now and they are going to push this back in. And I do believe quite strongly that Ukraine is a big part of that. I mean, like, for instance, one of the things I saw lastly here is just somebody, you know, th- talking about, you know, is are one of these biolabs that we know are there that they lied about going to be the next beginning point that they then claim Russia attacked them with a bioweapon? And that just becomes the new thing. And then in midst of all the chaos, we never really find out. The narrative just becomes Russia did it, just like we've seen with everything else. I mean, we've never even gotten past the Wuhan flu and all these just stupid things people say, It certainly could be true, but are just politics like Trump and the right jumped up or specifically the, the government. But in this case, it was the right at that point saying China did this and China flew and, and... there's no evidence for that. I shouldn't say proof of that, getting in the same trap we saw before there's plenty of things that suggest that it could have started there. There's nobody has yet proven that it started there. That was the first place it was seen. And I think we get into these traps quite often. We should certainly consider it. Maybe China did it from the very beginning. Maybe there was a conjunction with the U.S. and China and they decided to do it there. Or it was going to release somewhere else and the U.S. did it during the World Military Games to trap them and blame them for it. Or there's a thousand possibilities. But what we need to know here is that we Th- the end of the day that they will manipulate you in every way they can for a political agenda doesn't mean they're not ultimately driving towards something something larger like the great reset that's what i think is happening here i think that we're seeing in ukraine on the surface level are just vying politically between russia and the united states but i do think quite strongly that they are in the same lockstep for the great reset and we just have to be consider consider we have to consider that possibility in the larger context of what we're watching i don't trust any of them <laughs> i think that should be important by an- very clear by now. But as always, guys, stay skeptical, question everything. I love you all. Stay vigilant.
2: What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective. If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride on the transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media And the experts who are telling us what to do.
1: Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID 19 is not this disease
0: and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue.
2: Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right to freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your second amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We called people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in the global health pandemic. But you don't care about that, you didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence in our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people, it was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. We will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself.
0: Easy,
2: hey, me. I ain't choking you. Choking
0: you. Choking you, bro. Choking me, bro. Stop. Me, bro. Stop. 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 Help. Stop. Help, man. This shit ain't right, bro. Stop! stop.
2: stop. stop. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government.
1: Look, look, look. do do nothing. do nothing.
2: Look. do nothing. We, the people, want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard.
0: We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home.
1: So, you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose.
2: I I don't have to bring a note, and
1: yours isn't even on.
2: Just do whatever you want to do.
1: It's America, right? I cannot wear a mask. Get out.
2: Do not let your voices be silenced.